Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. I am your host, Rob Snow White. This is Series 1, Episode 89. I head out to Colorado to visit my in-laws, meet up with my buddy Tom and Justin, another one of my fishing buddies, and we fish up and down the Front Range and all throughout the Colorado Rockies. You're going to find out why I choose to fish streamers in certain stretches of water versus standing in one spot and nymphing all day. My method is a couple of casts. If you don't get a bite, you move on. This podcast is brought to you by Douglas Outdoors, a leading industry engineering and design team that have gotten together with a legendary conservation family, bringing you a fresh approach to the building of fishing rods and reels. Douglas Outdoors did not evolve from a pre-existing enterprise. It is an entirely new initiative, bringing together the most experienced practitioners to find a fresh legacy of new tackle that pushes both science and practice of angling. Douglas Outdoors will apply the same diligence and innovation to all its enterprises. Rod and reel design, customer service, and their merchandising programs will bring you an improved product and partner to the water and to the fishing business. Please visit douglasoutdoors.com for more information. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I thought this would just be a little random fishing trip out west. It turned out to be some of the best fishing I have experienced in my entire life. I can't wait in the next uh, 15 years to move out there for good. Our pixie just started kindergarten the other day. We're not moving until she graduates from high school. At least that is the plan. Sit back, relax. This is a hodgepodge of 
interviews and me talking and it wouldn't be my podcast if it wasn't completely random in parts. Enjoy this one, Jason Reef of Freestone Media. Thank you so much for all the work you do putting these podcasts together. I hope to see you up on the Salmon River in just a few months. All right, everybody, sit back, turn up your headphones, and um, enjoy this one. from Breckenridge, Colorado. You're going to have to excuse my shortness of breath. I am about 9,000 feet higher than normal. And if you know what happened last time up here, my body and oxygen don't do well. It was an uneventful flight out here, except the, my daughter took my phone for the second leg from... Oh, there goes a trout rising. From... Where are we flying into? Chicago? Midway? So I had nothing to, to look at or listen to. So I just kind of sat there for the, the two and a half hour ride from Chicago. Father-in-law Yuri picked us up at the airport and we got into town fairly easily. I drank oh, about four-fifths of a gallon of spring water to get myself hydrated. And I'm now walking along the Blue River. We got to the condo and I... Let's do everything in the corner. Grabbed a long sleeve shirt, my dat, my backpack. And I went for a walk around town, seeing how things have changed. And it's actually been four years since I've been here. A lot of new construction. Whew. I went down to Breckenridge Outfitters, and Ned is no longer the owner. That's how long it's been. So talked to the guys there. Wanted to buy some time material, but they don't have any anymore. Not that I need to buy any. I just like to buy time material. Got my license and decided to walk around and found my way over to a dam. Not a dam. Uh, a drop-off on the blue near the shop at the bridge. And people are watching Trout Rising. I could have gone tourist walking around town, but I opted to come down here and walk the whole Blue River, not realizing there'd be fish everywhere at this hour of the day, and they'd be rising to dry flies. We have... Yellow sallies, and there are hoppers, there are ants, there's midges, and blue-winged olives coming off. And every now and then, when you're walking along the river, you'll find a nice deep pool and see fish coming up to eat. Most, ooh, it looks like it's raining up, up mountain. It's, um, it's beautiful out. It's probably 68 degrees, no humidity, slight breeze, hopefully... It's not being picked up on the dat. And I'm walking along this man-made, man-altered stream down here. It has been... Uh, i trying to find the right term. How they've manipulated the stream for fishing. So big plunge pools, lots of boulders, drop-offs, corners. And you'll find fish in the plunge pools... 
and at the tail of the pools and other places. You just have to look for yourself. So I stopped, watched one angler for a bit, throwing a midge. He said there was a 16-incher in the hole. I should come down and look. After about two minutes, about an 18-inch rainbow slid out. So I know what I'm doing tomorrow after I get up and walk down to Daylight Donuts for breakfast. Got to get the sausage rolls and a burrito. I am going to most likely have to get my four weight and come back. I don't know where my six weight spool is. It's got the clear Cortland floating line on it. Whew, it's hard to walk here. Probably done about a mile, but at least it's downhill. I don't know how I'm getting back uphill. Whew. And um, I'm going to come back with some double, double bacon flies with the six weight if I have it. If not, single bacons on the four weight. And I put brand new Orvis Hydro's floating line on that I got at a guide rendezvous years ago that's just been sitting in my closet. I spooled it up on an old green CFO reel. I've got a Sage five-piece rod that actually fit diagonal in my luggage made it easier to pack and then I brought the six and my short eight weight with me on my backpack mysterious box of flies mostly streamers hoppers ants some tungsten HNICs some beaded HNICs on heavy wet nymph hooks I'm walking along here Beautiful wildflowers, asteraceae, snapdragons, coreopsis, there's some clovers, some white inflorences that look like Queen Anne's lace. It's just good to be here in our home away from home. Breckenridge is, uh, it's been our second home now for 11 years. I just don't get back as often as I'd like to. My big plans are Getting chicken fried steak at Fatty's on Monday. Getting breakfast at Daylight. And chicken fingers at Birkin Riley's. There really is no real plan for this vacation. Other than I've got time with Justin and Tom on Thursday. And I think just Justin on Friday. Can only get the car for one day. So we're going to have to figure out how to shuffle me back and forth between Denver with friends. I'm halfway to where I used to live in my car out here. There's been a lot of construction since I was here last. And there's a lot of pine trees that look like they've been cut down. The ones that were killed by the pine borer. I'm going to hopefully stop at some fly shops. Get some randos along the stream. Maybe even get Yuri to do some podcasting. I know we're going to get Justin. Tom's a little shy, but we'll try and coax him. And I'm also going to try and meet up with a possible cousin of mine that I didn't know about until uh, I saw an article <clears throat> in the Denver Post, Breckenridge's, uh, or Colorado's best fishing guide. What the heck is this thing? Random car parts I just found in a box. Um, so AJ is a bartender in Denver. And we may have the same great-grandfather. Not quite sure of that, but I just called the restaurant. He's at a different location. He's supposed to give me a call back. Or we'll try and step in, stop in tomorrow. I'm also going to try and get a big burrito out here. 
I don't know what else, but I'm going to have fun. You're going to have fun listening. We're going to see where this goes. Because remember, like Indiana Jones, I make this up as I go. All right, let's talk about Wednesday in Colorado. So I wake up on the sofa. It's pretty cold. And the entire night, my in-law's schnauzer Jazzy had been jumping on me. There were several times throughout the night where I had to get up and fence off the couch. And every time I would fence it off, that damn dog would figure out a way to get through, over, and around it. So when I wake up in the morning and people are coming out to get coffee, they're like, what the heck is going on? Why do you have pillows and chairs and coffee tables and newspapers and maps and magazines dangling from everything surrounding the couch? Well, that was to keep the dog off because every time she'd jump on me, she would walk around and it just felt like hamsters jumping up and down on me. So I had to kick Jazzy off. I wake up and there is snow on the mountains in Breck. It was definitely a cold night. We wake up and we need to go pick up Uncle Mike at the airport in Denver. His flight leaves at 4, so the wife and I decide, let's spend our day in Denver. We really haven't done that in, I couldn't tell you, maybe since before we were married, since we got married. So it's been a long time since we've just had a day to drive around Denver. We take my father-in-law's very slow car and we start driving up to Independence Pass. Jeez, not Independence Pass. Eisenhower Tunnel. It's the altitude that'll get you. And all the peaks are covered in snow. And the plan is, I'm going to stay at Tom's house on Wednesday night. We're going to get up. We're going to go fish. Carp Thursday. And then we're going to do trout Friday, both with Justin. So I've got all my gear in the car. And we get into Denver, I don't know, probably around 10.30. And the first thing I want to do is go visit Charlie's Flybox. You've heard Charlie on the Itinerant Angler podcast. You heard Jay talk about him. Jay Zimmerman, the author, the fly tire, the shop employee at Charlie's Flybox on my podcast to say that Charlie is the best fly tying instructor you will ever come across. I want to go to that shop. That's my goal for the day. So we drive up to Arvada, which I get the pronunciation correct. And on the way to the store, I say, we got to stop at a liquor shop. I need a bottle of wine. If you remember back to that podcast, I told Jay, if I ever come into the shop, I'll bring you something to drink. I said, what do you drink? Jay said, red wine. So I had the wife pick out a bottle of not too expensive red, knowing her taste. It was probably awesome. I just said, here's my card. Go buy Jay something nice. So we get up to Arvada. We park right in front of the shop, and we go in, and there's Jay and and two guys just sitting at a table. And Charlie, if you're listening, they were being productive. They weren't just sitting there doing nothing. The first thing I noticed was this shop is immaculate. It, it might be one of the nicest fly shops I have ever been in. If you wanted to do a photo shoot that day, that store was ready. There was no prep needed. So I introduced myself to Jay in person and gave him the red wine. He was very happy. He wanted to drink it right then and there. And one of the gentlemen in the shop, 
recognized my voice from the podcast. I didn't get your name and was a little overwhelmed with the shop to, to give you a big shout out and thanks. I uh, wanted to get Jay to sit down and do some interviewing, but just really wasn't the place and time. I wanted to get the whole story of the shop, so we'll do that next time. Maybe I can get Charlie on next time I, I'm in town. So I walk around, and the fly tying section goes from one wall, the back wall, and then it, it goes to the left about 20 feet, and then it turns, and it goes along another wall, and it makes a right, and that wall's covered, and then it makes a left, and that wall's covered, and then it makes another left. So the entire one side of this store is nothing but tying material. They have the most in-depth collection of tying threads I have ever seen. It was overwhelming, the amount of tying materials in that store. And then I go over and look at the wires for, for Copper Johns and Jumbo Johns, and I'm just in awe. And then the one thing is, the colors didn't match. So blue, the color I really wanted, only came in small. I wanted medium. And there were a couple others. I ended up picking out like pinks and blues and reds and some other ones. There wasn't really a whole lot time material-wise that I needed. Um, so I got a couple of things. I got to see one of the largest selection of local flies I've ever seen. I tried taking pictures of them. It doesn't do justice. I mean, you got to go in there with a, a magnifying glass and go through Charlie's patterns. Charlie's fly box definitely has one of the most in-depth amount of flies I've ever seen. And these bins with midges, I mean, had like 200 midges each. I mean, the place was loaded. If there was going to be an apocalypse and you needed to fish to catch fish for the rest of your life, that's the store you'd want to hit up before the zombies came because you can load up on enough materials and time material to last you the rest of your life great amount of books hardware soft goods um jay's books charlie's books tools gadgets rods posters it, it just went on and on and i just sent the wife walking around arvada so i thank jay i buy my stuff I get a couple of little fly boxes, the little plastic ones, because I want to collect some poppy seeds from in Breckenridge to plant in my garden here. They're not local to Breckenridge, so it's not like I am transporting an invasive species across lines. So they're probably the same ones I can get here at Home Depot, but it's more fun when you can bring them back. I was just worried I would get busted at the airport for bringing plant matter back, if you know what I'm saying. And from there, I walk out of the shop, and doop, 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 I'm walking along, doop, 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 doop. and all of a sudden, I see the wife in a golf cart with some dude. I'm like, what the heck is going on? She waves me over, and as you'll hear, uh, we went around on this little Old Town Arvada golf cart getting a tour of the city or town. All right, so we're in, what, what are we driving in right now? We're in the Old Town Shuttle. Bus. And we're in Old Town Arvada? Old Town Arvada, yes. Alright. And I just randomly saw the wife riding shotgun, so I jumped in. Where are we headed right now? How old is Arvada? Is, was, am I pronouncing it correctly? It was, yes, it's Arvada, like like Nevada, like the state of Nevada. 
so it's Arvada. Um, it was formed in um, the, the late 1800s. And so, um, in fact, it's celebrating its 100 and something birthday today. Wow. Any celebrations going this, on? This week, I think, yes. Uh, no, not this year. All the restaurants in town, and um, this is uh, the light, the new light rail station that's that's going to open up in October. I just stopped in here over at Charlie's Flybox. That's a, people come for miles around to go to that place. Yeah, that was impressive. I'll talk about that later. So it seems like there's a lot of non-chains up here. That's yeah, all. there's no chain. I mean, down below we have Costco and Sam's and Home Depot's and all that. But up here, this mostly these are all uh, mom and pops. Any stores that we should stop in that are must-see? Well, I said, you, you know, there were some nice women's boutiques back there. Um, the restaurants, um, it's really the kind of food you want. But these two coming up here are, are good restaurants. Uh, for just casual food. Um, kind of unique place you probably do want to stop in and see is the original schoolhouse for Arvada um, is coming up right here where these umbrellas are. If you see up there at the top it was 1882 and that's the original school, one room schoolhouse and they, they this restaurant came in here and redid the bar, so you gotta go and look at the bar because it's like an old schoolhouse in there. Um, every the seats are old bleachers. The um, the bar is made out of pencils. It's kind of a neat cool. uh, place. So get some ideas for my brother-in-law. He moved into an old school in uh, California. Oh well, good. Yeah, go in there. It's, it's they did a nice job. And then the surplus store. I want to stop in there again. Yeah. That's a neat one. What's our elevation here? You're at about 5,400. Where's our coffee place here, near here? There's one right back there. On the uh, side of the street? Okay, thanks. Right over there on the other side of the street. Thanks. So we're about 5,000 feet above home right for us. Yeah. That's a great store. Arvada Tavern is a good place to eat dinner, not, not lunch. And I was telling her that's a good German bakery right there. They're really good. That's a bonds. Is, there a, is this the busy season, summertime? Yeah, summertime more. But they, they have festivals all year round here. Like Christmas, they have festivals and carriage rides and that sort of thing. Now oh, it's a message. Are you just standing on the corner and he picked you up? I, so ran, him, I ran him down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, with all we do, we just drive around. People wave at us to call us down. And we take people down below to... Is this lady getting in? No. no. So if this is the old town, the new town is down below the hill? Well, it's where, you know, you got the I-70 and then you got the big boxes down there. Right. And they do call that new town, and this is old town. It's like a cookie cutter of every other place in America. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, this part, as it's telling her, more west of here is all the little homes and everything. 
next five blocks. And then the rest of the town is just like any other town in the Denver metro area. Alright, so I'll let you guys off over here. Fantastic. And your name again was? It's Timothy. Alright, if you come up, wave down Timothy. Like the plant? Huh? Timothy like the flower? Is it, no, like Timothy Leary. Okay, here we go. All right. You guys probably know who he is. Yeah. And we drive by the schoolhouse, and the guy's like, if you're going to go anywhere, you got to go here. So we get off. We go in the military surplus store just to look around, see if there's anything I could use. I, you know, I, I like my, my work pants. Uh, so I got a pair of Carhartts, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago. Put a hole in the knee recently. I don't think there's a pair of work pants that I can wear that I am not going to absolutely destroy. It's just something about my left knee goes through each one. So we go to the schoolhouse, and it's the original school from Old Town Arvada. We go in, the whole thing's school-themed. The tables in the bar area are actual periodic tables. You'll have, like, the noble gases will be one table, and, like, heavy metals another. And pictures of all this will be on the blog, because when the kid gets back to school... I'm going to have time to blog and knock out custom fly orders faster, clean things, and hopefully write and record more podcasts. So we're in the schoolhouse, and I have to get myself an Odell's on tap. And we get some fries with the garlic aioli, and we go through their whiskey list of 1,800 plus, I think it's 1,856 different whiskeys that the schoolhouse has. We sample a couple other beers. We decide we're only going to have one pint each because we've got a full day ahead of us. And the bar is made out of uh, catalog, card catalogs. And if you're a kid, you don't know what I'm talking about. So it's card catalogs. And then on top of that, the bar is clear and it's made of like 10,000 pencils. And the chandeliers are old school tables. This is really cool. The business cards for the employees have all their fourth grade pictures on them. The manager's office is the principal's office. The upstairs bar is an actual library with books and National Geographics. And I, it was awesome. One of my favorite bars I've been to. Really super friendly, wait staff. And from there, we drive to the source in Denver. It's near the Purina factory, near the Coliseum. Probably near some good carp fishing. I didn't say that on the South Platte. And we go in, we walk around. My wife goes to the liquor store and we're just looking at the local beers and liquors and my wife gets into a whole conversation about uh, Venetian spritzes. Or is it either Venetian spritzes or um, what's the other one that she drinks with that nasty bitter beverage? Campari Negroni's. So I guess there's like a Negroni festival and there's bumper stickers in the store that say 111, which is the ratio of how you make them. And my wife is just all excited. Now the bar next to there only served sour beers. Wasn't interested in that. The food didn't do it for us. It's like an old, I guess like train building that's turned into a bunch of smaller shops and each shop is different food, beer, wines, etc. We get a loaf of bread at this bakery and the bread just looks ridiculous. And then we go next door to, oh man, I'm, I forget the place, the restaurant we went to. 
But they had, uh, my wife said, the best BLT she's ever had in her life. I had a burger and fries, and I wanted another Odell's. They didn't have it, so I got a cherry ale made from local, uh, sorry, raspberry ale. It was like drinking just pure fermented raspberry liquid. It was so good. With the burger, it was awesome. And the whole time, I'm trying to text Justin, Facebook him, email him to find out what the deal is because now on the drive-in, we learned that Tom can't fish on Thursday. So am I going to drive back? Because now the plan was I was going to have the car for at least two days or one day to go fishing. Now I got it for zero. So I finally get a hold of Justin's wife, Talia, and I'm like, hey, I'm in Denver. My wife's got to get to the airport in a couple hours. By now, it's around 1.30, and she's got to leave around 3 to get to the airport. So we figure out, I'm going to go crash at Justin's. How to get there? Well, he's in a meeting, and Talia's at work, so neither of them can drive up to get me. So I figure out, through Googling, I can take a bus. It is the... Mustang bus, I think. Bustang. It's a play on words. And the wife drops me off at the bus stop in downtown. Beautiful Union Station. It's right next to Coors Field. And it turns out I can just get my ticket on the bus. I don't know how much it's going to cost. So I just hang out for an hour and a half. I wanted to do this podcast recording there, but I couldn't because everyone would have just stared at me. So I sit there on the floor, go through some emails, listen to some podcasts, and just people watch. And the people watching there was awesome. There were some weird dudes. There was a guy with bleach blonde hair and a flat-billed hat in a tiger print velvet dashiki that went past his waist with no shirt on it. It was more like a poncho with a dog and a sign that said, um, give me a dollar or I'll vote for Trump. And just weird people coming and going. A lot of people on bikes. Very outdoorsy people. Then the bus shows up. It's uh, like a 3.30 bus. I get on and it's 12 bucks. I'm like, sweet. I only have 20s. He's like, well, I can't give you any change back. Here's an $8 voucher for the next time you take the bus. I'm like, all right. So I get on the bus and I've got about 30 minutes of sitting by myself. I was on the left side. I should have done the right side so I could look at the view. And I'm pretty beat. It's actually like more like 6 o'clock for me now. I start falling asleep, listening to podcasts, kind of laughing out loud. And then this woman gets on, and she sits next to me, and she starts falling asleep. And she starts getting the nap jerks. And I'm worried that this, and she's swaying to the left, and she's swaying to the right, and popping her head back. And I'm nervous that she's going to fall with her face in my lap and someone's going to look over and it's going to look like something dirty. And honestly, when I got on the bus, I wasn't sure if it was going to be like Forrest Gump because I'm not from Denver and I don't know if people are going to be like, Sage taken. But uh, everyone was cool and she got off eventually. There were like seven stops, so it took two plus hours just to drive down there for maybe like 60 to 80 miles. I don't know. The bus drops me off in uh, Colorado Springs. I call Justin. He's like, I'll be there in 15 minutes. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching the the guy in the dashiki hanging out with some 
panhandlers who looked like they were tweaking on something. And then this dude crosses the street, starts talking to them, comes up to me. He's pushing a bike with a backpack. He offers to sell me this pristine mountain bike for 10 and the backpack, like a nice day pack for three. And ding, ding, ding. I'm like, this is stolen. This guy's trying to get some meth. I know the weed is legal out there, but it seems like there's more tweakers than stoners walking around. And I ended up hanging out with these panhandlers and watching hummingbirds feeding along the intersection. Beautiful weather. It's late afternoon. Justin picks me up. No more whatever he used to drive. He's got this ridiculous white four-door pickup truck. And we start driving up to Manitou Springs where he lives. And I haven't seen mountains that big close up since I was in like Quito, Ecuador. Never been down the springs before. It was just awesome. The geology, the red rocks, and the oxidization of the iron, and these cliffs, and the erosion. I was just left. I was looking right, I'm looking up, I'm looking down, I'm looking into canyons. It was awesome. So we get to Manitou Springs, and we start going down these one-lane roads, and then up these other ones, and... Each one's like switchbacked and curved. I think we're going to die like we're going to hit a car. And Justin's assuring me we're fine. And we're talking roads. I mean, these things look like they were made for burrows. They were so narrow. But eventually we get to the house, get to meet the new dog, get to hang out with the cats. And we just chill. He shows me all his fishing gear. I unpack. I've got a guest room to myself. May have had a beer. I don't know. We wait till his wife gets home. And then she drives us down the mountain. By now, it's probably like 8.30 or 9. And I've been tying flies the whole time while we're just chilling. I ended up taking garbage from Justin's kitchen table. uh, Paintbrush or microfibits. There was bubble wrap and thread. Ended up just tying up a whole bunch of trichos with just hooks that were on a plate. There was just a plate of 50 mismatched hooks. So I take a, you know, I tie up a bunch of flies and we end up going into town. And it looks like the town where Rambo was filmed, where he blows it up at the end. You could definitely film some old-fashioned movie down there. And by now, I'm just so tired. I'm not taking pictures of the town. I'm not really paying attention. We finally end up in a bar. The kitchen closes in five minutes. So I'm like, are we going to piss off the chef? He's like, no, just order. It wasn't the best burger. I had like four tall Cokes with no ice just to hydrate and it was a meal it was nothing great it wasn't expensive and we're walking through town and the most normal people we pass are like the comic book store guys playing pokemon go at 11:30 and we walk all the way up these and it's cold now we're walking up these switchbacks and there's an abandoned like haunted castle right behind his house in Manitou Springs And apparently Manitou is the best place to find the Pokemon characters in Colorado. I don't know. Um, Yeah, that was it for uh, for Wednesday. So I figured out how to get to Justin. And then uh, we're going to go fish the next day. So let me tell you about that. And hopefully it won't take 18 and a half minutes. All right, so Ian, where are we right now? So we are at South Platte Fly Shop in Woodland Park, Colorado. Uh, we are a premier fly shop in the area. We have 5,000 patterns and sizes. Uh, we're sitting on one of the best uh, fisheries in Colorado, the South Platte River. We're about 30 to 40 minutes from any fishing in the area. Um, we've got some big brown trout 
getting ready to come into the system this fall, kokanee that are getting ready to get into the dream stream. Uh, so for the layperson, why would these fish be moving up into the streams from the reservoir? So we have a little bit of a migratory fish effect on on the dream stream, particularly. Um, we have a, a pretty big reservoir uh, by the name of Eleven Mile, 11 Mile Canyon Reservoir, and it harbors some rather big fish, and they'll be coming up into the dream uh, for reproduction, food source, or oxygen. Uh, what is kokanee known as when they're not in Colorado? So they are a landlocked sockeye. Um, we call them kokanee here, though. So that's about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> they might not know. All right, so we're moving into fall right now. How was the summer fishing? How did you get? It's all about water flows here, too, right? Um, so the water's been good this year. Uh, the biggest problem we have on the South Platte are low flows. Um, and right now we're getting great, great water. We got flows in the 170 area mark, you know, right around 200. So big fish are coming in. Um, the low flows will typically keep them out, and right now we got a ton of big lake fish in, in the fishery, so good time to be here. And the dream stream, how long is that section between spinning 11 mile? Because as the crow flies, it's not far, but it meanders a lot. So it is 3.8 river miles. So got a good amount of water there yeah. with all the oxbows and everything else. What kind of hatches should we expect today? Right now we got some trichos coming off. Um, betas, we've been seeing a lot of betas. I'd recommend fishing some betas emergers and, you know, BWOs uh, and then caddis in the evenings. So. You think we might do well with the bird? <laughs> I hope you do, bro. I do a lot of mouse fishing and if you get a bird, you better come back and show me. Yeah. I've got six weight clear floating line. Yeah. A little more stealthy. There you go. I like it, man. You should uh, you should have a great time out there. Yeah. So when, when you're not working in here, can you name the places you fish or are those hush-hush? Oh, no. I'll tell you, man. Absolutely. I love fishing the dream. Um, I, I've been fishing here my whole life, born and raised. Um, grew up a lot fishing like in Ella Mile Canyon and Deckers. But the dream stream, once you spend a couple good days on that river, there's really no, no turning back. Um, it's incredible. Don't get me wrong, all the fishing's great here, but um, there's something really special about that particular stretch of water there. Any, any place you'd recommend us eating between here and there? Yeah, McGinty's. McGinty's Wood Oven Pub. I'm going to have to stop there. I got an Egg McMuffin in his uh, glove box right now, so his dog doesn't need it while we're in here. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll love McGinty's, man. Right. It's a good, good food, good beer. Where can we find you online? Any social media? Yep, so Instagram, southplatteflyshot.com. Um, we also have a Facebook, and then we're getting our website kind of revamped, and it's going to be much better than, than it already is. Check it out. It's going to be really pretty cool. All right. So check that out. Very cool. And where else do you guys offer guided trips? Um, so we have permits on uh, Badger Basin, Tomahawk. Uh, we can take you on the reservoirs, both 11 Mile and Spinney. Uh, we can take you for the entire the entire duration of the dream stream, all 3.8 river miles, which most shops can't do. Um, there's only a couple that can. And then we can also take you down to Deckers. We also have a couple private water um, you know, options for you as well. And I've heard some sad news that Dorothy's Tamales is closed. You know, I, I, I broke the bad news to you. Yeah, man, this is new to me. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, that's a heartbreaker, though. I'm, I'm sad. Tamales, huh? You never got there, did you? Uh, no, I didn't, man. That's Justin. We'll get to him later. Uh, okay. What's up, guys? <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for uh, giving us the info on your shop. Heck, yeah. You guys have a great time out there. Tight lines. Catch a bunch of fish.
The drive from the South Platte Fly Shop, which we just heard everyone talking in there. Please visit their website. If you're in the area, please stop in and buy some stuff. Awesome fly selection. They had a whole bunch of just crazy stuff in there. I took a couple of pictures. Justin bought a bunch of flies, and we made our way. So as we're pulling into the Dreamstream, we have a road full of donkeys. So we stopped to get them on the podcast, and here's the conversation. Hey, jackass. Hey. How's the fishing out here? You're on the podcast. Do I have your permission? Yes. Do not eat my mic. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. How's the fishing today? Hey, jackass, anything we should start throwing first? (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm splitting. Hey, man, I want to use your whiskers to tie flies. Hey, bud. Hey, have you seen Shrek? (laughs) Shrek, I'm a donkey. So we moved from there to the Charlie Myers area. I load up my six-weight, put on my Cortland Clear floating line, walk down to the bridge with my Dennis Eckroat, baby bird fly that's based off the Pat Cohen bird fly. Now, I've been waiting 11 years now to f- do this. Fish a bird fly under a bridge where baby swallows might fall out of their nests. I got this plan in 2005, and I had to wait for somebody to come up with the bird fly. I just never really thought of anything. And, of course, Pat Cohen being Pat Cohen, he came up with it. So I'm down there, and I'm fishing 8-pound or 10-pound tippet. And I'm dropping it, letting it sink through or swing through. It's made of deer hair. It's not sinking. I splat it down and I let it flop around. The water's super fast and there are just no birds in these nests. So I'm not really there at the right time of year for this to work. So I ended up just calling it off after five minutes. Justin now shows up and there are fish above the bridge that are feeding. So he starts working them with some nymphs. Maybe mergers. I don't know. I'm on the other side of the stream. I'm working these fish with bacon flies, and I get nothing. And then I step on a snake. Don't know if it's a rattler. I scream, and I decide I'm done with this spot. Let's pack up and go upstream towards the top of the dam. And we'll see what's up there. I want to fish the cool, clear water coming out of Spinny Mountain. And if you've never fished the Dream Stream... Again, it's the stretch of water between Spinny Mountain Reservoir and 11 Mile Canyon that meanders through a high alpine plateau. And when I say it meanders, it goes left and right and curls and oxbows. And it's not too deep. It's crystal clear. And the bug life is prolific. The fish can live year-round in there, and so does the things they feed on. And there's a lot of fish. It is it's pretty pretty awesome if you've never been there. Okay, so we go up to there, and I um, switch out. No, I'm still fishing my six weight, I think. I'm fishing my six or I'm fishing my... Yeah, I'm fishing my six weight clear line, and I got to adjust my eyes now because they're trout rising, and they're rising to trichos. The trichos are everywhere. Every time you step, they're coming up. They're covering your glasses. They're in the water and the eddies, and you see one head come up and sip, and another head come up and sip, and you start mentally timing it, and trying to you know pinpoint one fish and you really have got to adjust your eyes to see through the glare and the wind to pick out that fish you put on a long leader you put on a 
indicator fly like a royal wolf or royal coachman or a, a hopper and then behind that smallest i've got is 4x and i put on um justin finally convinced me to put on a parachute because he missed he broke off one fish that was probably in the 20 plus inch range and these are all sight castings and then he loses another one and convinces me all right time to put on a parachute fly so i open up my wheatley box and i go through and i find this size 18 cinnamon looking dry fly parachute and i put that on and before that when i was swapping out different flies um, I was throwing worms, I was throwing eggs, I found a hole with just fish on the bottom feeding on something, I couldn't see what. Remember, my line is clear and his dog is off the leash. So his dog runs upstream to chase some geese and runs through my line and catches my line and I'm holding the fly and then it gets stuck in my hand and the dog's still running, so it's a cluster F. And Zep did that at least two more times to me. I would have just had a boat anchor to him behind Justin or tied him to Justin. But it was all good. It's fun fishing with a dog that's young and excited and, and learning how to be a fishing dog with you. So I finally see some fish rising and Justin's right next to me. And I, I throw my fly and the hopper goes past and then the little parachute goes by. And I throw another cast and there's this one fish in the hole that goes down and is moving his mouth and Justin's like dude did he just eat your fly and I was like no but I lifted my rod anyway just to be sure and sure enough I've got a, a cut bow or a rainbow on the end of my line it was pretty nuts it, it the fly was so small and I'm not used to fishing like that I land this fish and we get some nice pictures I chuck it back in and we move upstream and Justin picks off a couple more and he's pretty much lost all of his, his flies. So now he puts on the trash flies, what we call it. And he starts seeing rising fish, and he starts casting to them, and he starts hooking them. Now the problem is, you can't see a fly the size of a sprinkle from your ice cream, Jimmy, depending on where you are in the world that far away in that glare so you see the fish that you're casting to eat and you set the hook on it and you miss a lot of because the timing's just off you don't know what's going on but i mean every you know 10 shots maybe you're gonna hook into a fish and sure enough justin is doing that it was awesome i just sat back and watched him for a while and we move upstream some more past the parking lot and I don't know how many fish were landed by now. I'm the, and the wind's picked up, so the fish are not rising anymore. Um, there's definitely a storm brewing behind us. The sky's getting darker, and I start fishing the mouse pattern. I got the six weight, and I'm bombing out like 40, 50 foot casts across the stream onto the grass on the other side and dragging the mouse in and swimming it across. And these trout dudes with their eight foot four weights are just watching me like what the heck is going on here because i guess they're not used to seeing people cast far but that's what we do out here when we have space and we're on the boat so i'm doing it justin hooks a pig and i have to run all the way over and i'm like because <gasps> i'm in altitude and i'm sprinting through grass and none of the time i'm wearing waders i'm in probably just flip-flops and quick dry pants at this point and now the wind's really picking up. 
and the sky's getting dark and ominous, and we're like, all right, let's head out of here. I'm going to eat my second Egg McMuffin that's been in the glove box. I had to put it in the glove box because the dog would have eaten it when we were in the car in the shop. All right, Justin, where are we right now? We're in between the Dream Stream and the Lebanon Mile Canyon. All right, so we left the fly shop. We drove up to the Dream Stream, and we putzed around the bridge for a bit. I went out and tried Dennis's from OMF Fly Company's Baby Bird Fly. Throw that under the bridge, try to see if there may be some fish that eat the birds that fall out of the nests. There were no birds in the nests, so I wasn't really matching the hatch. And Justin tried to cast a couple up above the bridge. You saw some flashes in the water. Yeah, they were, they were on the bottom for sure. But um, I'm pretty slow getting my stuff together this morning, so you were ready to move on yep. at that point. So. so we jumped back in the car and drove up about as far as we could and started fishing the meandering bends on the Dream, and there were trichos everywhere. So what did you pick out? Uh, yeah, well, we first started with uh, a really small blueing olive uh, parachute, and that was working, but I lost it on two fish nice fish and um, we then tried the trash fly which is spent trico that uh, Rob here did you did you make it up man or? Yeah, I just made it up last night it was microfibits yarn or thread and bubble wrap for the wings yeah no it was it, that's a cool fly for sure and it, it worked we caught a, I caught a lot of fish on that fly and uh, a nice one there at that for sure you lost a big one too uh, yeah that was good fish and I, I don't know it just broke me off really quick just, what size tippet were you using uh, it was the 6x of um, frog hair but that's I mean they make it a little bit uh, small, smaller in diameter so it's closer to the 5 so I mean 5 5 6x All right. and then I decided I was switching out from I can see it midges to little trico mergers to trico spinners but I put on some parachute fly, like at 18, just kind of uh, mahogany colored, and threw that in. I mean, there were fish rising everywhere in front of us and around us and below us. And Justin must have better eyes for seeing this because he sees my fly go down. Oh, yeah, on that cup boat. Yeah. Um, in my perfect, I'm tying on a fly, and I saw the take, and Rob was just standing there, so I was like, Wait, wait, wait was, that, was that you? And you oh, yeah, no, that, that's not me. So I lift up my rod, and sure enough, I see a fish shake its head. So I set the hook and come up to a nice little cut bow. That was a good fish. Yeah, that was cool, real cool. Yeah, glad you had the net because I'm I'm wet waiting. I wasn't about to jump in thigh deep to try and land that thing easier amongst the brush. But trichos everywhere. Every time you'd step, they were coming up. There were hoppers everywhere. The mice pattern didn't work. And then there's this huge storm. It's uh, it's 2.30 right now on Thursday. So there's this big storm blowing in from the north, and the wind picked up. I switched to a mouse and got nothing. And by then, we decided to call it. I think we made the right call because it got super windy and breezy. We're headed over to fish another stream. We may or may not tell you where we are, but I am going to be fishing streamers down below and then dry droppers way up top hopefully that storm doesn't blow through here i just had my egg mcmuffin round two that's been in the glove box to keep the dog from eating it and uh, a little jug of water 
And we are on our way to spot number two. We'll fill you in as things happen. So stay tuned. So we're driving to our second stream. And the storm's starting to blow in. And we get to this canyon. And I wanted to fish 11 Mile and Cheeseman and Deckers. And we only pick one of those. I don't want to hot spot any locations. If you fish out there, you'll know what we're talking about. So we make the turnoff in, and the woman at the gate says, uh, big storm's on the way. And we're like, yeah, no S, lady. And we can't check our phones up here because there's no reception. I can't get my Doppler. I'm looking at my watch, and my barometer's not really that accurate at this point. So we drive up this canyon road. And we, so we drive up this canyon road, and we pull off at one of Justin's favorite spots, and He's at the car, changing flies. I grab my rod and start walking down. And out of nowhere, the temperature drops like 20 degrees with ice-cold water pelting me. And I try to wait it out, and I yank my fly back, and it gets stuck in a tree, and I just drop my rod and sprint back to the car. <gasps> and we sit in the car for 15, 20 minutes, wait for the storm to pass and get out, and... I went and get my, got my rod, nothing in that hole, so we drive upstream. That's the great thing about fishing a canyon. Every spot you can fish as long as you can access it. And there are some drop-offs and ledges and cliffs. And I swear I saw a rock that looked like Donald Trump. And I should have taken a picture of it because I could have put it on that uh, mildly amusing Reddit. If you don't look at mildly amusing, that's one of my new favorite online things. Somebody squeezed out toothpaste and it looked like a cat one day weird you see stuff people are curious and creative out there and they see things and stuff so i saw a rock that looked like trump we pull off to one of justin's spots and we walk down and we're walking through you know shoulder length brush so now we're but i'm soaked he's got waders on i'm fishing a bacon fly with split shot and the pink worm tied at beer tie as my dropper and my third cast uh, and I've got Zep on my side. I lay out this long cast, lift my rod to keep the line out of the fast water so it slides behind a rock, and then I start stripping and popping my rod, and I catch about a 9-inch brown on the worm. It was awesome. Uh, Justin sits there and works that hole longer than me. I fish it a couple times through exhaustion, and that is it. So I move upstream with Zep, and now I am... If I was drenched before from walking through wet brush, I am soaked to the bone. And I move up, and there's a little eddy and a boulder. And the water's cut underneath this boulder, and I say to myself, Snow White! And there's going to be a trout under there. Because after doing this long enough, there are rules to fish. That's what I tell my clients. There are certain places a fish will be in every stream, lake, pond, body of water based on shelter, structure, hiding from predators, looking for fish to spawn with, etc. So I get down there and I start bouncing my bacon fly with the pink worm under this undercut through this little slider glide. And I'm pretty sure I took a picture of it. I like to take pictures of spots where I hook or catch a fish. If I ever have to do a PowerPoint or if I'm ever going to write a book, I will have spots that I can say, this is what you want to look for. 
but I don't really write because you have to have proper grammar. I like to do a podcast because I can just sit here and talk because if there's one thing I do, it's I don't shut up. So I swing it by and I start popping the fly out and sure enough, a nice 10, 12 inch trout comes up, grabs the, the wormage. I set the hook, he pops off and I'm like, damn it. And then I hear, Snow White, get down here. And I, it's Justin, he's on a fish. So I reel in, stick my fly in my rod, butt, because Orvis doesn't have uh, hook keeps on six weights and up in salt water. And I have to run through those trees and brush again. So I'm just beyond, my bones are wet now. And Justin hooks, lands a fish. I get a picture of it. And then... I go back upstream to try and hook another fish in that hole, try another hole or two, tried some riffles and runs, nothing. Go back, fish downstream about 30 yards with Justin, I lose another fish, and then we get in the car to move upstream, because it's a canyon and you can do that. So now we're driving upstream and I think we go all the way to the top now. No, we stopped at another hole, and I'm like, dude, right here right here because i'm on the right hand side looking down in the water i'm like right stop right here so we hop down i got the bacon fly and the worm on it's probably a six or seven foot hole and justin's next to me watching me and i throw that fly in and it's got three bb split shot and it sinks down i'm stripping it the faster i strip the more those trout were chasing the worm that's one thing i learned from tom years ago was to strip fast a san juan worm but these are the silicon ones from Michael's craft store. I can't tell you how many fish I lost. Now, it's cloudy and overcast. It's windy. I'm cold. And the water's very deep. So you can only really see the white mouth of the fish. It's not like I'm using an indicator to see. Um, visually, when there's a take, I have to actually see it happen. And I miss fish after fish after fish. I adjust my weights. I adjust the length of the dropper. I switch to the rubber wormage made from the Fusilli Glowball, which I can no longer get commercially. <coughs> Excuse me. And I give up after a while. So we start fishing upstream. I probably hook and miss, you know, lose two or three more trout. At this point, I just can't believe how many fish are in here and how many fish I'm missing. We drive up top, I crack a cold beer, I'm gonna take a little break, change up my rig, and we go to the top just below the dam and where the public stretch starts. And not much is going on. There's a couple fish 40 feet away, rising, but due to the fast water between us and them, it just won't happen. If I had like a 15 foot rod, I could do it, or if I had my Tenkara rod with that reach, I definitely could have gotten into those fish. I have a couple fish that go for the worm. And now I'm switching out. I'm doing worms. I'm doing streamers. I'm doing eggs. Um, pheasant tails. Midges. I mean, I'm switching out flies probably every 10 to 15 casts. And Justin finally figures out that they're taking uh, like a size 18 to 20 flashback pheasant tail and now it's getting really cold and I'm still wet and the wind's picking up it's probably 4 in the afternoon 5 o'clock maybe and we 
he lands three fish. I don't think I landed anything. I had been sight casting to this beautifully colored rainbow or cut bow behind a log, right on a seam, in crystal clear water, maybe a foot and a half deep. I wanted that fish, just the colors. I may have gotten a bite or two, uh, but then you know I break off and I'm like, "Eff it, I'm done for the day. Let's go home. We're both hungry. I mean, all I had was egg McMuffins, maybe some jelly beans that were in Justin's uh, center console that had fallen out of a bag. I think that was like it. So we, we drive down and we stop to get, oh, and there's two guys from Wisconsin that are coming in as we're leaving and they're in like jeans and, and shoes. And I, I was wet waiting like thigh deep. And eventually up in that water, you just kind of get go numb and adjust to it. So I'm, I'm cold. It had been raining. I'm standing in water. I get out. These two guys walk in as we're leaving. We say goodbye, tell them what we're getting them on. And we head down towards the springs and we stop to get a six pack of beer. I wanted some Odell's. I ended up getting uh, 90 shilling. I should have got the IPA. Less malt. I should have gone for, instead of malt, more hoppy. And the two guys from Wisconsin come in like, oh man, after you guys left, it was awesome. We started hooking them left and right. They're rising everywhere. And I look at the dude. I just say, then why are you here? So I'm pretty sure those guys were just BSing us that they gave up and decided to go get a cerveza themselves. So we get back down to Colorado Springs, and it's pretty much dark. Tolly's not home yet, so I start making dinner. Uh, I start making some mac and cheese, and I do uh, a garlic and chili-infused butter with cream. And then I teach Justin how to make a box of Mrs. T's pierogies, where you just boil them or or, uh, let them defrost, which is what I like to do. And then a little bit of butter and canola oil in the pan, and you crisp them up. And I made an Asian, like, teriyaki soy spicy dipping sauce. And he was so hungry, he couldn't wait while I was doing that. So he ate a box of his wife's, like, halibut fingers from Trader Joe's. And that woman was pissed. When she came home and saw him, he left, like, two halibut fingers for her. Um, well, the funny thing Talia did the other night is we were talking about driving up to Denver on Friday and stopping at... at Waffle House. And I was like, yeah, man, I, I've never been to Waffle House. And she kind of hit the brakes and put her palm, like her hand up. Was like, what, what, whoa, you've never been to Waffle House? And I was like, there aren't any in Northern Virginia. I don't know. So we eat our dinner and we are exhausted. So we crash. The plan we talked to Tom is to get up by, we're going to meet Tom at 0830 at his house, pack the boat, and go to the reservoir. So I'm going to fill you in on that next. It was pretty awesome. I got a good night's sleep. I crashed hard. I mean, I'm not, I don't get to fish that often, let alone fish from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. nonstop with all that walking and altitude. (sighs) And all the time I wanted just like an ice cold Coca-Cola. But I had three beers, probably four beers that day and didn't want to put any more carbonation in my guts and altitude. Because altitude and bowels and gas and carbonation are just a bad mix. So we go to bed. Our alarms are set for quite early. We get up and we head down to some cult coffee shop, as Justin explains it, in Manitou Springs. And I later learned from Tom that Manitou Springs is named after 
the different types of water that come out from the ground. And each one has its own property chemically. Like one is full of lithium. So bums with heart conditions go and drink it. And there's some that have more iron in them. And dude, I would have totally drank my weight in the iron one because in altitude, I could use some more oxygen in my body. Remember, hemoglobin and iron bind together in your blood to allow you to get more oxygen to your heart. If you remember back to the days from your pulmonary and aortas and whatnot. So he gets his green tea that he loves and like a cinnamon bun. And I'm like, dude, I'll eat later. I don't even even know if I ate breakfast that day. I can't remember. But we meet up with Tom. No, uh, and then we, we so we load up the boat, and uh, I've been to Tom's house in a couple of years. He's got a duck hunting trailer in his driveway that is nothing but decoys and duck hunting gear for when he and his buddies go out to Nebraska. And so we load up his new truck. He got rid of the Xterra, so we're in this awesome Dodge truck that's in here. All the gears in the boat. We go to Seven Eleven so I can get some water. I had forgotten my gallon of water at Justin's house. I was pretty scared going down the mountain in Manitou Springs with those windy roads. It was nuts. But it was fun seeing the castle in daylight. And we see all the tweakers at the bottom of the mountain. And there's a bunch. I'm telling you, there's some weird dudes that hang out down there in Manitou. So we head down to 7-Eleven. And I get a steak and cheese sub heated up for breakfast. And then I get like a turkey bacon pimento something for later. 7-Eleven sandwiches are pretty damn good. Three bucks. You know, they're made every morning. And the fact that they'll heat them up for you. So we're driving to this reservoir. It's about an hour's drive northeast of Denver. And I'm chowing down on my sandwich. And we're driving. It's like the middle of nowhere. The lake we end up at looks like um, the Salton Sea. Just a couple random houses and farms out there. Shoreline. And the first thing I noticed when we opened the car door is that the place smells of dead fish everywhere. And the ranger guy comes up to us to take some tag off of Tom's boat. Because once you go from out of a reservoir, they have to mark your boat that it came from there before you go to the next one and make sure that you're not transferring invasive species between. And the guy can't figure out that we're going to be fly fishing for carp, let alone releasing them there. I guess people just go and just shoot them and kill them and leave them. Uh, because there's just dead carp everywhere. And it turns out the carp just die from natural causes. They get run over by boats. People shoot them. I don't know, but it's uh, a huge reservoir. And I get to back the car in with the boat. Never driven a pickup that big. Well, I have. I used to be an engineer for an environmental remediation company in the late 90s. And I was driving a Dodge Ram between sites. If you've ever been to Dulles Airport, I supervised the Dollar Rent-A-Car parking lot construction. That's my project with a biology background. I did that as an engineer. And one day the pickup truck got so covered in mud, I had to take it to the car wash. It was so wide, I got stuck in the car wash. Now this is 1999 when cell phones were pretty dodgy. And I couldn't get a signal to call anybody back to come get me. And eventually the guy realized that I had to come out there after 15 or 20 minutes and he came and turned it off. I couldn't open the window because the water would have filled up the truck. It wasn't my truck. So I have driven a truck that big, but it's been it's like 17 years. So I back it down and 
go park the boat, and as I'm walking along to the boat ramp, it's like a jetty, and the boat ramp's on the end, there are just carp everywhere feeding along the jetty. And there's dead ones along the shore, there are skeletons sticking up, there are pelicans, there's cormorants, there's blue herons, there's egrets, there's sandpipers, there's killdeer. The wildlife is amazing. And there's I'm, I'm going nuts. There, I, I've never seen this many carp before, let alone feeding, let alone in one spot. So we get out of the boat and we gun it. We're going like 30 miles an hour to one of the coves. Super windy. It's overcast. We are just not getting any fish. We don't see tailors. Now these fish are jumping all around us. You'll hear that when I interview Tom later. I'll play that, I guess, after this segment. Or I guess Jason will, because he's the producer. And we see a couple, you know, we're maybe in 10 to 14 inches of water, and it's so murky with the wind, we don't see Jack. So we go to another spot, same thing, just don't see any any tailors, just see them jumping up, and just dead ones with their eyeballs gone, floating everywhere. And the whole thing is like a sand bottom. It was really weird. I would take my rod tip. We had a depth finder, but I wasn't near it. So I take my rod tip and poke the bottom just to see how deep we were. And you could feel, I mean, it was inches of wet sand in the bottom. We go to a, a third spot, which is the intake. No, no, I'm sorry. We go back towards the jetty to get out of the wind. And right by the office where that dude worked from earlier I mentioned... There it is. There's a carp tailing. And I got my six weight, my clear floating line, and I got my Cree bug tied on with a non-slip mono loop. I put it in front of this carp, and I twitch, twitch, and it starts swimming towards it. And then it kind of pauses and moves its head. It's that point, again, I don't know what causes me to set the hook when I'm fishing for carp because I can't see anything in the water here. I set it, and I'm on. And the carp just kind of sits there. I'm like, huh? The ones I hooked last time in Columbus, they took off. This thing, nothing. And hes it's like trying to get your dog to come in the house or something. I'm just like dragging it. And after the shortest card fight ever, Tom just grabbed We don't even net the thing. It just gave up from the start. It, it was awful. And I pulled this thing out with the boga grips, and it's bleeding from between its scales. Like, it had a little bit of blood, and from holding it up, like, blood is running down the fish. Like, stigmata. It was disgusting. I mean, I, I, disgusting is an understatement for how gross this carp was. And then I went to grab the tail to do a grip and grin, and Tom and Justin were like, No! Like, don't touch that fish with your bare hands. So we take a couple pictures of it. Tom wanted to just shoot it with his sidearm and put it out of its misery. But we throw it back in, and it swims away, and I'm just... I'm so grossed out. I was almost getting spitty mouth and nauseous from seeing this carp. Um, but sure enough, yeah, Mr. Rubber Lips had, had that right in the corner of his mouth. It was pretty cool. And now it's Justin's turn on the bow, or he's in the back. I don't remember. And I'm drinking a nice cold Stewart's Root Beer that Justin brought me. And we go to the intake where the South Platte River fills the reservoir... And there are carp in there. There's a couple feeding right on this sandy point where the sand has been deposited coming out. So I guess that's the the inside bend and nothing. 
And we go up this thing maybe 50, 60 yards, and they're carp just jumping, they're carp under the trees, just can't get anything to eat. Um, I finally understand what people mean when I say I'm going shad fishing, and they're like, you mean those little things? Because the lake was full of little gizzard shads, like, I don't know, four inches long, and every time we turn on the engine and go across the lake, they start flying everywhere. I guess that's the forage for the walleye, and the whole thing's only 15 feet deep. Not a very deep reservoir. So now we're like, all right, let's go back to the original spot. The wind has calmed down. The sun is out. We get back over there, and we start trolling. Tom's on the trolling motor. He's not even fishing. He's guiding us for the day. What happens? Uh, Justin sees one. We see this fish from, I mean, it takes probably two or three minutes to get to it with the trolling motor. And we sit there, and Justin sight casts to it, and it eats his fly. I don't remember what he was throwing. It may have been a Cree bug. It may have been a rubber-legged stonefly I gave him. I don't know. And again, the fish is like, wah, wah. It just doesn't want to fight. He basically just reels the thing in, and Tom scoops it up, and we get some gripping grins. It looks like he's pooping his pants the way, I don't know, it looks like he's constipated in the picture of Justin. But I think it was his first carp, or at least 30-plus-inch carp on the fly. We throw it back in, and we start going along that shoreline again. Probably 20 minutes later, um, I'm just trolling. I mean, we're sight-casting and stuff. We're blind-casting. They're jumping all around us. I'm just trolling my Cree bug in the water. Carp picks it up. So I've got this monster 30-plus-incher now that I'm fighting on the reel. It's not making my reel scream, but, you know, I reel it in, it pulls the line out, it's a big fish. Get it to the boat, pops me off after maybe a five-minute fight. So now, we're trolling again, doop to doop I think I have a, a worm on. I ended up foul-hooking a carp in the back while we're trolling. And Justin's a little seasick, he's a little queasy. I don't think that boy's used to being on boats. He's from the land of corn, not water. We start seeing these fish, and you call them Mr. Rubber Lips. It just looks like inflatable sex doll lips moving six to eight inches under the water. And the carp are in schools of eight to ten each, and there's probably 15 to 20 schools in maybe two feet of water. We're casting Cree bugs, and they're dropping next to them. And these fish... Our mouth up, tail down, not mouth down, tail up. And I'm like, what What the heck is going on here? Why is nothing looking at this fly going past us? We start swapping out flies and changing things around. And then um, a pelican flies over, and they all just explode, and one huge pod just disappears. And Tom's like, nah, just give it a minute, man. See what happens. A minute later, they're back feeding. Several inches under the surface, eyes up, mouths moving. And it almost looks like there's, it's like five people singing at a microphone a cappella or something. I guess a cappella wouldn't be a microphone, but it looks like five people singing around a microphone. Like they're doing doo-wop. And we're cruising around, and I start looking down at the water. Like I, and we're trying to figure out, you know, I'm like, are they breathing? Tom's like, what the hell are they eating? And we can't figure it out. And I look down. And 
earlier Tom's like, it's going to take you like 40 minutes for your eyes to adjust to be able to spot these. Because he can see these fish, the shadows of them, 100 yards away. We'd creep up on them, and I, I finally, my eyes are adjusting, you know, after two plus hours in the water, maybe three hours, and I look down, I see trichos, little black bodies with white wings. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if they're eating trichos. And they're not eating worms, streamers, crayfish, stoneflies, anything else on the bottom. And we're like, maybe they're eating seeds. But I don't see any, like, cottonwood seeds out here. So I put on a little mini Chernobyl, size 12, about three feet of 2X, because all the only tippet I have from Orvis is 2X and 4X. And I put on a Trico Emerger, or basically a size 20, 18 or 20, black thread body with a little white puff on the back. And I cast it over, and I see this fish move. I don't know if I saw the grasshopper move, but I set the hook. Grasshopper goes down. Line starts coming off my reel. Holy crap, I just hooked a 30-inch fish on a size 18 fly. And it's on. We are chasing this fish down. It is. Remember, carp don't tire. Uh, I'm going to write a carp podcast this fall or winter. And I want to learn as much about them as I can because I'm getting more obsessed with them. I've done the Dan Frazier podcast and Jay Zimmerman. Jay's wasn't about carp, though, but he wrote the book. And it was also cool seeing Jay's flies in person because you don't see Umqua flies really around here. Got to see his ditch damsel. Snow White damsel's better, I'm just saying. And we are chasing this fish down. We're chasing it down and chasing it down, and we get it to the boat, and Tom scoops it, and it gets out of the net, and it swims off, and we get it back to the net, and this is just going on and on, and, and the crazy thing is, none of us can believe that I've hooked 30-inch plus fish on a fly that's, you know, a speck and this itty-bitty hook, and finally, the thing pops off. Tom's like, dude, what are you going to do? You just hooked a 30-inch rubber lip fish. It's not like the hook is in a bony mouth between mandibles. Trout don't have lips. Bass don't have lips. They have mandibles. And if your hook penetrates, it goes through that and it gets caught. So I re-rig. I calm down. I catch my breath. Would have loved to have had a cocktail to calm my nerves. And we do it again. The fish are starting to disappear now. Um... I'm just standing there. Before we were trolling, I've just got the hopper under my feet with that fly. And Tom is trolling. And the wind's blowing us a bit towards the pod. And all of a sudden, I'm like, where's my hopper? And I lift my rod, and the line goes down. I set the hook. Boom. A carp had picked up my trico emerger whatever midge thing you want to call it next to the boat right under my toes and starts taking off. And at this point... No, Tommy, the, the last fish, Tom had jumped in in his underwear, just boxers and barefoot, with the net to try and land the fish. I said, this time, back me into the shallows, I'm jumping out to fight this fish. I'm getting this fish on my terms. And it's circling the boat, and we're fighting it. And I think I had too much line on my reel for it to be able to peel line off, if that makes sense. Too much backing, and the line was too thick. 
And finally, I jump off, you know, nowadays, all right, phone, out, microphone, out, uh, camera, whatever, all my electronics, wallet, on the deck of the boat. I jump out, fighting this thing, man. My heart's pounding. I'm sweating. Adrenaline is rushing. And guess what? Throws the freaking hook right at the net. So I can't believe it. And now it turns out, after that's all done, the wind has come back, there's ripples in the water, we can't see Jack, and the fish are gone. We're not getting any more on Trico's. And Justin's sitting in the back, he's got um, one of Tom's ridiculous-looking cicada flies as his sight fly with the Trico in the back. So I cut off, and I put on a Cree bug, and I don't know, like a, a tungsten HNIC behind it. And we're starting to troll again, and I feel a tug, and I set the hook. I catch my first walleye ever. Granted, it was six or seven inches long, but hey, I caught my first walleye of my life. Bucket list, scratch it off. We go back to the inlet to try and get in there and out of the wind, and uh, we're sight casting to some and nothing. I get a small, largemouth bass, probably the same size as the... um, walleye and now it's like three o'clock i told the wife i'd be back at the condo by dinner time or before that so i could eat dinner and, and put the pixie to bed so we probably end up leaving there 3 30 to 4 o'clock um, we're beat I mean, we're out in the sun with the wind it took all my strength to stay awake in that car and the whole time it's just guy talk we're laughing we're farting we're telling jokes telling dirty stories uh, trying to get Justin and Tom to be friends so they can start hunting and fishing together. So hopefully they get a little bromance going and get my two East Coast guys together out West. And also, Justin's wife is a hardcore skier, so I think I have someone that can now ski with my wife when my wife is out at my in-laws. So we're driving back and we hit traffic. And, these, and like I said, we're in the middle of freaking nowhere. You can see... You know, I can see maybe a mile at any time here in most spots. I can see like 15 miles ahead of me. I can see like six different microburst thunderstorms raining from the cloud until they hit the ground. Just crazy openness. It takes about an hour and a half to get back. Say goodbye to Justin. We get him some pheasant feathers from Tom's garage so he can go tie up some more pheasant tails. I think Justin's motto is it doesn't matter what you use out there as long as it's a pheasant tail or an RS2. And then we get back, and Tom's wife gets home, and she's like, hey, how are you getting back to Breckenridge? And I was like, oh, Tom's going to drive me, so Justin doesn't. And uh, we hang out for a little bit. I get some feathers from Tom. I get a full pheasant skin and two rumps, and he's still working on my bamboo rod. We don't know if we're going to be able to fish it. You know, It's just for the pixie to catch bluegill on. It's an old beater that he's refurbished. It's a little bent. I was like, dude, it's for bluegill. He's like, all right, fine. I'll get to you next time I see you. So we get in Marla's car, and she gets 50 miles to the gallon with some electric. And there's some accidents, so it takes us a while to get out of Denver. We finally get up to the mountains. We get to Breckenridge around 7. And Tom's Russian, so he hangs out with my in-laws, and they're talking Russian. And he's telling all these crazy stories about being an EMT up at the casinos and just crazy stories about people that smoked grass back in the 60s and 70s and haven't done it in 30, 40 years and come up to Colorado and 
buy stuff and I guess it's stronger now and they smoke the same amount they did back then and they just pass out on the floor of the casino and there's bums that take the free bus up and they pay they do penny slots all day and get free drinks and then they pass out on the floor of the casinos and just crazy stories uh, so that was Friday night and Tom is going to try and drive back on Saturday uh, I think we all ate dinner on Friday night I don't remember can't remember Friday night. I was so damn tired. Uh, so I hit the hit the hay and I get up early on Saturday morning and uh, I'll catch you up with what happened to Saturday morning next. Alright, welcome to Saturday morning. I forgot to mention that the most of the time I was laughing to podcast driving in the van, the bus to the springs, I was looking at flies on inst on uh, Pinterest pretty interesting how many cool flies are up on Pinterest. I don't really do anything with Pinterest, but I was looking up a fly and it came up on Pinterest, so I started scrolling through Pinterest flies. So I get up early on Saturday and I started getting my rod and reel ready to go fishing later in the day. The wife wants to head down early in the morning to see the Spartan race in Breckenridge, which is the highest elevation they've ever done a Spartan race. And it's like eight in the morning, it's cold. And as we're walking down there, the wife takes me on a trail that she takes to get to the ski slopes. The, our place is ski and ski out if there's snow on the ground. And we cross the Blue River on a bridge. And I didn't know we were that close to the Blue River. And there are trout rising everywhere. And there's a dude picking off trout left and right. It's like, sweet, man, I'm going to come back here later on. So we head over to the Spartan race. And it's we see the first guy to finish and then like 10 minutes later the second guy and he's huffing and puffing apparently he's some world champion spartan dude army ranger guy um i'm checking out all the the hot chicks in yoga pants the wife is just admiring all these shirtless beefcakes that are doing the spartan race i don't know how these guys were running in that elevation swimming through the breck outdoor rec pond and then jumping in a pool and rolling through grass in that weather and that elevation. More credit to those people. So we, uh, we spend a little bit of time up there and we get some free stuff. I find the army booth and I get some water bottles because I need to, to fill up on water because I left my water jug back in the springs. It turns out Tom can't come up. He's got to work. So I'm going to have to figure out to fish later in the day. So from there, we head back up to the condo and, and eat breakfast. I think my wife made a frittata or something. And I made, I had some gravy, like some biscuit gravy and some crusty ciabatta with garlic inside it, something. Anyway, we're going to go to Keystone because there's a kids festival. So Uncle Mike gets in the car, I get in the car, the pixie gets in the car, I grab my gear, decide, you know what, I'm fishing my spot in Keystone. I'm not jumping in. I'm going to wear my Ariat boots and my Bundeswehr pants. Make the drive over to Keystone. Haven't been to Keystone probably since when I hooked my arm down there in the Snake River in 09. So they drop me off, and I see some poppies, and I collect the seeds in a little Charlie's Fly Box container. I head over to my spot, and I don't see any fish. It's bright bluebird sky, and there are crazy people mountain biking down the slopes in front of me. And I'm like, this is why I fish. I'm not doing. They're, they're wearing full body armor, helmets, knee pads, shin pads, elbow pads, in case they fall down a mountain while riding a bike. 
So I get to my spot and I put on tungsten HNIC and I throw on uh, the pink worm behind it and I start fishing through my hole. You know, the biggest fish I've pulled out of there is about 20 inches. I've had fish bent hooks straight in that hole. It's one of my secret spots. I catch a brook trout, tiny one, six inches. Great, it's my first brook trout in 11 years, so I'm pretty stoked. I take pictures of it, do a little Twitter challenge to see who can guess the fish. They'll get a dozen of the flies. Jesse, I'll send out your flies soon. Um, Cowgirl Jesse won the contest. And then I move upstream, and um, I'm like, why are there no fish in this spot? So I see another big hole upstream that I've pulled fish out of, and I'm like, all right, I can run across this pretty easily. It's not too deep. Sure enough, I step in a hole. I'm up to my knee in water. I'm like, whatever. So now I'm, I'm wet. I'm walking through bushes that are wet. I'm like, well, I should have had waders, but screw it. I would have torn up my feet on flip-flops anyway. Move upstream. Um, not hooking anything in, in any of these holes. Not seeing fish. Turquoise water, three, four foot deep. There's runs, riffles, boulders, drop-offs, eddies, undercut banks. Switching out flies. Nothing. Move upstream a bit, hook a bacon fly on the other side, and I've only got like seven bacon flies with me. So I decide to cross the stream, just thigh deep, get my stuff wet, whatever, I'll dry off. Uh, get back, get the fly, cross back over, walk downstream. Now there's another guy fishing, and I'm like, do you, do you hook anything? He's like, I don't see a single fish, man. He's like, they stock it this year? He's like, I don't think so. So I figure I'm still going to fish. I'm going to keep walking down because this water is crystal clear and it's like glacially runoff. It's liquid snow, basically. And I keep fishing these spots that should have fish in them and nothing at all. And I cross the stream again to get back to the right side where I came from and hope that I don't have to get wet again because I'm starting to dry off after about 30 minutes. Still fishing bacon now with a wormy dropper. I keep saying, all right, and I'm done. I'll fish one more spot. And I get to the next spot, and I'm like, all right, the spot next to it is my last one. And then I see this kind of waterfall area with wooden boards across, and I'm like, sweet, dude. There's got to be something in here. So uh, I start bouncing the fly around there, and, and I decide to lift my rod up to cast again. Rainbow comes up. Boom. Got like a 12, 13-inch rainbow on. Throws the hook. I'm like, all right, well, at least I know there's more fish in here. But I got to cross the stream in the middle to fish the rest of the hole. And I get over there, and uh, sure enough, I hook into a fingerling, you know, 8-inch brown. Lose him, too, because the water is so deep and fast and just bubbly from the drop-off that I just can't see anything. Fish another 5-10 minutes, say, screw it, I'm getting hungry, I'm going to go find the family. So I walk back up to the Keystone Resort, everyone's outside having beers, and I sit down on a bench, take off my boots, and wring out my socks. And there's like, what the deal is it with this guy? Get my socks pretty much dried out, drain my shoes, get the rocks out of them, break down my rod, go to find the family, finally find them, and the wife does not have find my friends on, on her phone. So I had to call her, and turns out they're right next to me. We're going to go back to Breckenridge because they're setting up for the Bourbon and Bacon Festival. And I want to go do some fishing back at that dry fly hole. So we get in the car, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to post pictures of these waters. It, I mean, God, that's, that Snake River is absolutely stellar. So I'm walking up to the condo, and I see 
I think I see another sex toy. I'm like, why do I keep finding sex toys when I go fishing? This thing's red and oblong. It's got two bulges in the back and one in the front. I get up close. Luckily, it's, it's a Kong, not a dong. And some dog left his chew toy. So I get up there and I change my pants. Uh, I may or may have eaten something. I don't know. Rig up the four weight. I'm going to do a Mr. Rapidan with a little parachute. Take my daughter down. And she's got her face painted like a cat or something. And we head down towards that hole in the blue. And sure enough, the night before, who knows what time they were coming off. But now it's 3 o'clock. I'm like, all right, three to four o'clock. I know these fish are rising. My calendar set for the rest of the trip. Start casting and boom, I'm start picking off browns, rainbows, boom, boom, boom. And I've got a net that I found years ago, probably 11 years ago, that's in the condo. So the pixie is starting to, to net my fish for me. She doesn't want to sight cast. And the wife's trying to get me to go. My mother-in-law's trying to get me to go. And I'm like, look, I don't see anything when you got a powder day. When you have fish this many and this decent size rising to this many dry flies you don't leave so they eventually left me and i kept fishing and i'm picking fish off left and right it's getting cold now it's probably five o'clock and we work our way around maggie pond i'm fishing below maggie pond and start going into the bourbon and bacon festival and i want to try colonel littleton it is by the Buffalo Trace Distillery. So I walk up there, and it turns out, I guess you need to have tickets or something. So I start talking to this guy because I've got uh, a fly rod, and, and I'm still soaking wet from earlier in my pants, and uh, I guess I was wearing boots still. And my teeth are starting to chatter, and we start talking about fishing, and he's like, I asked me if he fishes. He's like, yeah. He's like, hey, hold on. Let me go get you something special. So he goes behind the booth, talks to somebody, gets them to pour me a... a full two two and a half fingers worth of Blanton's bourbon the one I keep hinting to my wife that I want her to get me for like a Hanukkah Christmas birthday present and I never get so he brings me that and I've got nothing to give him money wise or anything so I give him bacon fly I'm like dude try this next time you're out fishing and hopefully that that, that little bit of whiskey is gonna help warm me up so I'm walking around sipping on that and you walking around an open area like that with drunk stoned people, they're going to start asking about your fishing gear. So I start talking to all these people and they're taking my phone and dropping pins in secret spots and and I'm just having tons of laughs. The wife and mother-in-law and, and Pixie are somewhere else. I ended up meeting a guy who's dressed as a slice of bacon and he's wasted. I go, bacon, let me get a selfie. He turns around, I got my camera ready to go. Boom, I got my selfie with bacon. Now I want something a little stronger because I'm freezing and it's happy hour in the mountains. I'm having my sundowner. Uh, so I go up to a booth or something. And she's like, nah, you got... Oh, no, the guy gave me a ticket. I gave the guy a fly. He gave me a ticket after the Blanton's. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. 
Altacovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So I wanted to try some Woodford something. And the woman's like, well, you need to have a glass and a bracelet, which you get when you pay for your tickets. I give her the story. I'm like, hey, some dude just traded me a fly for a ticket. I got nothing. She's like, go talk to him at the front. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm not selling you. It's too late. We're done. You're going to have to do something with that ticket. So I ended up just uh, holding on to it. There was uh, one of the local breweries, I think Compass, and if you gave them $5 donation to the Rotary Club, they'll pour you a pint. So I get a pint. Bad idea because I'm freezing now. My teeth are chattering. Probably got icicles hanging from my nose hairs. If I had nose hairs, I, I keep those trimmed. And I um, meet another dude and his girlfriend or wife. And they're like, oh, yeah, come by tomorrow morning. There's a big farmer's market. And there's this guy who sells flies right on the river. You talk to him. I'm like, sweet, man, I'll get a podcast out of that, if nothing else. And I, um, I'm i walking out. I finished my beer. I'm like, it's too cold. I got to go get warm, take a hot shower. See some dude with the Patagonia trout hat with the uh, trout logo with the Fitzroy Mountains on him. I say, yo, fish hat dude. He turns around. Here's a ticket for your hat, man. And I walk off. I, I run back up to the condo in altitude and take that hot shower. And then my brother-in-law made some ridiculous dinner um, from a cookbook. What did they make that night? It was stuffed peppers. I think it was the Toro Bravo cookbook that everyone in my family loves. Like stuffed peppers and all sorts of other things. So we mealed, went to bed, and uh, the plan for Sunday was to wake up and go down to that market. So I go down to that market, and uh, I meet the fly shop guys, and uh, you'll hear that podcast interview now. All right, Sunday morning, we're next to Maggie Pond, and you are? This is uh, Ted Warren. And this is? Brothers Fly Shop. Uh, Brothers Fly Shop. Uh, we don't have a physical plant anywhere. We do uh, markets like this, and then we have uh, internet sales. Okay. And then I wholesale to stores. All right. So we're going through, I was asking you about some of your flies that are local to here that I can't find anywhere else. And I'm seeing some. You want to go back through some of those? Uh, yes. Uh, you, you noticed we have a Griffith gnat in a white, and uh, that's a little unusual. And then we have a high-vis Griffith gnat also. Oh, let's see. Uh, we have a variety of trichos, which are real real small ones. We have patriots, very colorful flies. And so on a bright, sunny day, those are very effective. Seems the parachute flies are very popular out here. Yes, and we've got about a uh, half dozen different types of parachute flies. Uh, parachute hair's ear, parachute uh, BWO, parachute PMD, 
and then different colors, uh, blue, black, purple, and the parachute style. And then on the uh, um, caddis flies, we have some foam caddis. So if you've got a little swifter water that tends to dry or uh, wet up your caddis fly, your regular dry fly, then you can use a little foam um, caddis fly. It's been real effective. And then we have some black caddis, which are um, not particularly common, uh, commonly sold in the area, but they can be very effective, particularly at the early morning or late in the evening. Oh, let's see. Uh, we carry some uh, foam hoppers uh, this time of year in the fall, summer. Uh, crickets, hoppers, things are starting to fall off the, the, the bushes into the water. So the trout are very uh, opportunistic whenever they can get something like that. Uh, we have one called a crackleback that's popular in Missouri and Arkansas, but not so popular up here. But it really can be pretty effective. It floats on the water with a lot of uh, hackle. And then as you swing it, then it goes under the water. And a lot of times the trout aren't hitting the surface fly. They're hitting the one that's just in the film, just under the water, you know, maybe an inch or so. So that crackleback is something a little unusual up here, but I in, fished it. In blue? Haven't seen that before? Yeah, we have it in blue, red, and uh, chartreuse. Um, a lot of the flies, uh, red is is the color of choice. Red kind of is, in the whole animal kingdom, signifies distress or uh, something that's, uh, that's in trouble. So up here in the Rockies, I found little red... Um, Little red flies to be very effective, particularly like in the zebra midges. So we carry a lot of typically zebra midge back east, silver and black. I've never seen lavender. Yep, uh, you know, the basic colors are black, red, and olive, and uh, purple. We do that for shops up in Arkansas. Then we have some that are combination red and black. And then we do a, a copper head with an olive body. And that back there, they call it a root beer uh, zebra midge. And then for a shop in Oklahoma, we do one, a zebra mid, same style, but we put a little piece of flash in there. And sometimes that's really a good trigger. That's all it needs, that little extra. Yep. And then one of the things I've learned up in the Rockies is to use small flies, emergers, that uh, you either fish them behind a dry fly, just right in the film, or you can fish them as a trailer behind uh, a beadhead fly underwater. And I've just increased my catch rate at least uh, 30, 30, 40 percent when I started using some of these smaller emerger styles in sizes 18 to 22. Oh, we'll get, you know, the normal typical uh, pheasant tail is probably the number one nymph anywhere in the country. And then uh, princes. My buddy Justin I was fishing with last couple of days, he said it doesn't matter what you use as long as it's a small pheasant tail. <laughs> there you go. If I go someplace I don't know. I'll tie on a pheasant tail, and then on a dropper, I'll probably put a little, a very small 2022 red zebra midge and start out like that. And then another one of my favorite flies up here in the Rockies, um, kind of an emerger style, is RS2. Can't go wrong. That's what was doing it for me yesterday. You know, grays, uh, black, olive, just experiment a little bit. And then we carry some little bitty black ones called Black Beauties, and then some that are a little flashier called a Rainbow Warrior. They're very effective on uh, sunny days. And then we do immersers that are like similar to a bars emerger. We do them in different colors, so they're very distinctive as a BWO emerger or a PMD emerger. Then we have the traditional brown and gray also. Um, they're learning to fish those little bitty flies. Little bitty bugs will really, really help you catch some fish. Then we have an assortment of scuds and um, sow bugs, um, primarily for customers in the Arkansas area, but I've had more people uh, come up this year and tell me that they have similar type bugs in some of the streams up here in Colorado. How did you get connected all the Missouri guys? 
gals? Oh, I grew up in Missouri, and so when I'd go back to see my mother, I'd just call on the fly shops, and there were a few state parks in Missouri that have trout fishing, and so I was familiar with those, and I'd just swing by and introduce myself. Then in uh, Arkansas, uh, Mountain Home, Arkansas is a big trout capital, Mountain Home, and uh, so I went up there fishing and then uh, went into the fly shops and got acquainted, and in fact, they, they kind of helped get me started in the fly business because there were flies they wanted specially tied. So we do a lot of specialty flies for uh, shops that we don't just sell everywhere, just for the shops. But uh, I'm not seeing a worm bin. Did you do the worms at all? Yeah, we've got um, you know San Juan worms in different colors. Uh, used to just pretty well be red and pink, but now they're in red and pink and brown and um, two two tones in brown. Uh, some of them with a the bead in the middle. Uh, orange got some orange uh, worms at some sh- one of the shops orders. We do a lot of foam flies, and this is a uh, hopper season. Uh, you know, for the next even for the next oh next two or three weeks is still good. And uh, on the hopper flies, people think they're always too big, but if you really look at the grasshoppers you see running around. They're pretty good size. You know, two inches is not oversized at all. I'm distracted over your shoulder is Maggie Pond, and they're trout rising in it right now. Yeah, yeah. My grandson uh, usually comes up in the summer with us, and he'll often go out and fish here on Maggie Pond. And uh, he'll fish a little um, caddis and then drop below it, usually a little olive um, a zebra midge. Okay. And he'll, he'll catch several fish, and nice. it, we always catch and release and everything. Let's talk about all the Copper Johns. That's another big one out here. Yeah, Copper Johns originally started, you know, just with that copper wire wrapped around a beadhead nymph, um, pretty buggy looking, and then now they've just expanded to a number of colors. Uh, the copper and the red are the two most popular colors. And we have them in black and uh, chartreuse, uh, dark green. Uh, we have a zebra uh, kind of looking uh, Copper John, and then the blue is a real popular, blue or purple is a new popular color. And now we've gone to some of them that have little legs on them and look real buggy. Uh, Even back in Texas where we come from, um, those little ones with the legs really attract um, the the bluegill, the sunfish kind of thing. Just a lot of fun to catch. And then I see vintage flies priced as marked. Yes, uh, we have a friend back in uh, Texas. We live uh, on Lake Fork, and uh, he has a... Uh, tackle shop and he buys a lot of used lures and equipment and so he called me one day and he says I've got a bunch of uh, fly fishing lures and uh, that he didn't really know anything about so I bought a bunch of them from him <clears throat> and most of the uh, most of these go back to the to the 50s I actually have one of these at home do you really yeah that's an old one I was I bumped into a guy at a lake one day and he's like I got a Half a dozen old flies. Why don't you have them? I'm never going to use them. I'll be. They're in my office. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what does that one run for? Well, it's like 25. Whoa. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, you know some of these, uh, you know they've lost some hair and things through the years, but they're just such unique styles yeah. and patterns. I've never seen a weed guard like that. That's just straight up wire. <laughs> uh-huh. And you know some of them are pretty big bodied, but they're made out of balsa wood, so they're pretty light, very very castable with an eight weight fly rod. Then we've got some that are designed after the Bassarino kind of a chugger kind of plug but they made these and they say on them trout or reno and same way on lazy ikes we've got some lazy ikes that actually say trout on them so you know those are those are pretty unique and yeah, we've had fun um, uh, selling some of those uh, vintage flies 
Let's see. We do bass flies, uh, different kinds of streamers and poppers, uh, little foam flies of different styles and uh, for bass. <coughs> You can see some little bitty frogs that are, you know, maybe half inch long here in the foam, very effective fly. Here's a little streamer that looks like a bluegill, and you know, bass, well, they like to eat them bluegills. Particularly in the spring, you know, the, the male will guard the nest after the eggs are laid and fertilized, and those bluegill will come up and try to raid a bass's uh, a bed to get the fry, to get the eggs. So the male would be, is very aggressive whenever you pull a, a bluegill-looking fly across a, a spawning these, bed. These little frogs, who came up with that pattern? <laughs> uh, a guy down in um, the hill country of Texas, and he uses them uh, on the little streams and creeks down there. And uh, cool it, Yeah, and um, I haven't used it so much for bass up here, but uh, very effective for bluegill and um, Guadalupe bass down in the hill country in Texas. Uh, one of the things we're out of that's kind of interesting is the um, uh, we do some frog patterns that are about an inch in diameter and a little over an inch long. A real hairy looking thing, but uh, I brought some up a few years ago and I thought I might sell a, a few up here in Colorado and uh, went into one of the fly shops and they bought all I had. And what they use them for is, is um, to fish for the big uh, brown trout early in the evening. You know, the brown trout are pretty aggressive. They're a nocturnal fish. And, uh, boy, they're very territorial. So you throw that frog up by the bank and kind of bloop it, work it back a little bit, and it's very effective on brown trout. So that was a, a surprising little, you know, success that we had along the way. And then we do some um, saltwater flies also uh, that can be also be used for freshwater, like for bass fishing. Um, Clousers would be the number one thing, and deceivers. Um, but most of the other uh, saltwaters are pretty big, you know, for even for bass. But, um, and we use those um, down in the Texas area, the, the deceivers and the, and the clousers for stripers and uh, hybrids in some of the lakes and rivers uh, where the dams overflow and uh, get down where you can fly, fly fish with them. So we got kind of a little variety of everything, and it's a it's a fun hobby, a business that we've got after we've retired. You get to meet interesting people and go to beautiful places. And, yeah, and go fishing. Absolutely. And then behind you, some books. Yeah, this is my wife's side of the of the tent, and uh, she has a bunch of journals, kind of unique titles uh, for one for RVers, one for runners, fishermen, campers. Keep a list of your favorite books. Uh, a book for your guest to sign at the if you at the house or at the lodge or something that you might have, and then she just picks up books along the way that are fishing related, and we put them out for sale. This year we've just got in some new uh, shirts, uh, the new synthetic material shirts uh, that have great uh, fish pictures on them, um, and these are done by an artist out of Michigan that we met three weeks yeah, ago. Those are all uh, drunk and disorderly. Yeah, yeah, big old streamers and things yeah well this guy uh, we met at the national fly fishing convention up in uh, livingston montana three weeks ago and so we we bought a uh, a supply of his new shirts and uh, they have some uh, that have like this one has a map of uh, montana on the back of it as well as the fish pictures so we're going to have him make us some for colorado uh, next fantastic year. and they're just beautiful yeah and it's mirrors as well yeah, we kind of, uh, you know, buy the hardware and then put the flies that we sell and make earrings out of them. 
And if somebody comes up, a lady, and says, well, my favorite fly is, you know, a red copper john, then we'll whip those out and put a red copper john on the earrings for her. Mm-hmm. And we can, uh, we usually cut the hooks off. You know, it's a little safer that way. Absolutely. Where can we find you online if somebody wants to order? you have uh, any social media, website? Yep, we have a website, brothersflies.com. Brothersflies.com. And that's not to be confused with back home. We have flies by two brothers. They're selling flies to pay for college. Ah, that's yeah. good. That's a, it's a good project for them. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, Ted, thanks so much for your time, and I'll get out of your way, so I'm not blocking any customers. Oh, well, it's been a ra- cool rainy day. It's a little slow, but it looks like things are picking up. Fantastic. Thanks so much. You bet. You're welcome. So I'm done with that guy, and it's it's still early in the morning. I'm going to walk down to Mount Angler, and I need some dry fly paste because I was dry fly fishing, and now my plan is every day for the rest of the time I'm there at 3 o'clock to throw dry flies. Don't have floating. So I walk down to Mount Angler. I look around. always want to buy more than enough to support the fly shops. And it turns out there's nothing there I need. I, I look at their hats and long underwear gloves sunglasses they're trying to sell me a radian i'm like dude i would love a scott radian but it ain't happening um, i buy my loon paste and i walk back up to the spot and um what happened next i walk back up and i i gotta think about this I go back through the market, and there's a guy selling pastries, and I text the wife, hey, do you want me to get you a quiche? And she doesn't respond, so I'm like, all right, I'm going back up to the condo. So I go back up to the condo, and I hang out for a bit, chill, maybe eat some breakfast. I think I made an egg ciabatta breakfast casserole that morning. The breakfast all just run together on the weekend. And then I end up meeting up with the wife and the pixie, and we're going to go for a walk through town. The wife wants to buy a new Breckenridge-specific hat. So we go up and down Main Street to all the tourist shops, and no hats fit her. But I get a new long-sleeve fleece because all I really wear mostly is black long-sleeve shirts in the winter. And this is a black long-sleeve like, layer I can wear over a black long-sleeve shirt. This is Breckenridge. It was like 22 bucks, And then I go upstairs to the space cowboy and I get a new ice cream cone dead sticker for my car and we go over to the dredge and lo and behold I find out that there are trout in that spot you can feed dog food to there are 30 inch fish in the dredge hole this is massive so from there oh, and we piss around the afternoon we walk back up I decide to go get my rod I'm going to go uh, now it's it's 2.30, 3 o'clock. I'm going to go fish dry flies. So I'm getting ready to set up my gear, and a thunderstorm blows over, and it hails. And when I mean it hails, I mean we got like inches of hail and a thunderstorm. I'm like, well, I can sit around here and do nothing. There's like six people in the condo, plus the dog. I'm going to go try fishing anyway. So I get my rod and reel, and I sit on the porch, and I rig up. Last time was bacon and worms. So now I'm I'm doing, uh, I don't know what I'm doing, but I got goop all over. I think I did a Royal, Royal Adams with a dropper of an RS2 or a parachute. I I honestly went through every dry fly in my Wheatley box to pick out all the small parachutes. 
So I got it rigged up, and I'm waiting for the storm, and I'll put the storm up on YouTube because it was nuts. I think they got like two feet of hail in the springs. Finally get down to the bridge, and it's blown out. That water is rushing through. So I figure it's a small stream. I'm going to fish streamers and worms until the water clears. And as I'm fishing, it's definitely clearing up, but nothing's rising. Maybe two fish. So I'm throwing bacon and worms, and I start hooking fish. I um, ended up hooking a pretty big brown, uh, probably from my cork up to, I don't know, like 11, 12-inch brown out of a small stream. So I'm pretty excited. And then I take off the worm because it's not really working that well, and I put on the Snow White Damsel, and now I start catching fish. So browns, browns everywhere. Um, the water's starting to drop. They're picking off the damsels. I, I want to do some dry fly fishing. It's not happening. So I decided to, to take a long walk way down river. I figure some fish in some of the bigger holes I've known from the past would be feeding on whatever is coming down through the fast water. Um, so I start walking down that way and I bump into the wife and my kid at Quandry Grill, they're walking jazzy. So I meet up with the wife, have a beer for happy hour, take some pictures of low light post storm, and then I moved downstream, going for a long walk. Doom, 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 doom. Uh, after several minutes, I, I get to my spot and I start fishing. And um, I'm not telling you where I was, but the smallest fish, I couldn't hook anything. The water was too fast. The water was too brown and too turbulent. I always see everything at this last second. The smallest fish I lost was probably 16. The largest fish I lost was pushing 30 inches. Now, I can honestly tell you, I've been humbled by losing a 30-inch trout on a four-weight. Not a steelhead, but like a trout in, in a stream that was stocked at some point and just got massive. And I'm fishing along these rocks in this, I mean, it's a shoot. It's a pure shoot. That's all I can explain it. I'm loaded up with split shot. And the thing comes out of nowhere and starts pecking at my fly. And I'm bouncing along the rocks. And it's like, doom, 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 doom. And I'm setting the hook and slashing and nothing and all these people start gathering around me to cheer me on and, and I get nothing so I'm like I'm done I've had my happy hour there's nothing rising on dry flies it's cold because the front came through I'm going back to the condo for dinner we're having leftover peppers on Sunday night stuffed peppers and there was other things there was some uh, like salad with bacon and green goddess dressing the night before so we're going to have that too and as I'm walking up all the, the all that hail had come down a gutter on the south end of town and it started kind of melting so I made a giant snowball for my daughter and brought it back for her to throw off the balcony and I go to bed on the couch again and now Jazzy has been locked in the kitchen so I get a decent night's sleep I was worried my back was going to be shot, but it wasn't. My plan for Monday, this is my Monday plan, get up. We're going to look for this Breckenridge Fairy Forest that we've been hearing about. I'm going to go to Daylight Donuts, eat a huge breakfast. I'm going to fish plunge pools the entire way down the mountain towards Frisco. I got all day to fish. Tom couldn't make it up. Justin's working. And I'm going to go catch some fish. That is the plan. And my mother-in-law says, Boy, why are you going to breakfast? I'll get you Oscar Mayer hot dog from 
fridge. I put on George Foreman. It'll be better than anything you can get in a restaurant. And I gave her this look like, yeah, that's not happening. So we get in the car, and nobody knows where the Breckenridge Ferry Forest is. It's not on any maps. The wife's friend who has a place in Breckenridge on the weekends told us where it was. My wife, remember, she works in GPS. You think she'd have her friend drop her a pin on Google Maps or give us GPS coordinates or something. My wife will tell you it's not that kind of GPS I use. I'm like, it's still GPS. It would have different initials if you use something different. So we're going up and down the mountain, and we can't find this fairy forest. I'm just getting pissed because I want to eat breakfast. I want to fish. I don't want to waste my day going through neighborhoods with my father-in-law driving 10 miles an hour with my wife and him arguing. So I said, you know what? Just drop me off. I'm going to breakfast. So I get down to daylight. I get in line. I get myself. You ready for this? Hashtag greasy bastard, as Justin would say. Biscuits and sausage gravy. A mound of hash browns the size of Jazzy. Bacon and ice water. And I sit there and I'm checking. My morning routine is I check the weather. I check the news. I check Twitter. Then Facebook. So I'm going through those. And um, the only table that was open was a six-seater. So some random dude who smelled like uh, he smelled like a skunk sharded on him because uh, he was obviously pretty stoned sits down and we sit together and eat breakfast don't really talk, we're both kind of on our phones I finish up, take my bacon and I, st- I walk out the back door which is on the Blue River if you've never been to Daylight Donuts I mean, we need something like that up here in Fairfax where I live we have one joint called First Watch but it's like a chain breakfast joint there's nowhere just to go in the morning to get a real hearty breakfast. So I got this belly full. I got uh, one bottle of water on me. I got all my flies. I'm rigged up. I got my goop. And I start walking down. So my plan is plunge pools. The way that the Blue River is designed in Breckenridge is it goes down in elevation and every certain amount of feet you have a man-made structure of placed rocks which force the water into a waterfall and then a drop of like two to three feet, a plunge pool, a run, a drop. And this goes on for maybe four miles. I've got the whole day. It's now, I don't know, 10 something in the morning. And I'm fishing plunge pools. And uh, that's my plan is big streamers weighted with a dropper, plunge pools. I want the fish that get the food that first comes down. This is deep water and fish grow to fit their surroundings. That's my plan, big fish in deep holes. A lot of split shot, four weight. I'm going to get a multi-piece stiff five weight for next time I travel. I lose one brown down by the recreation center. And I keep moving and I'm just passing people in the middle of the river where the fish are, chest waders up, you know, they might be knee to ankle deep and they're fishing midges, itty bitty stuff, little itty bitty, itty bitty, bitty midges on sides like seven X tippet and I'm throwing bacon, double bacon that are weighted, 4X long hooks, 8-pound Berkeley Vanish. It's like as thick as negative 5X. You know, 0X is thick. This stuff is thicker. And I'm moving fish, nothing big. I'm not hooking anything. And I pass a guy guiding to, like, a, a kid and his dad, and they're standing in the middle, and they're just nymphing this run. And they're not doing jack. And... I move down below them, 
fishing plunge pools again. I'm, I'm a mile in now, and I haven't landed anything but one brown. Uh, the brown was pretty big. I've got pictures of him with uh, the bacon flying his maw. Um, so I move downstream, and I throw behind. So plunge pool, fast riffle, slow water. And I'm trying to, if I can describe it to you, take your hands, clap. Open the tops of your hands, leave the palms together at your wrist. You've got a V shape there. Now, imagine that's where the water's been flowing for how long, and it's carved out this trough. And that trough is white because algae hasn't settled there like the sides of the river because it's constant flow of water. And I drag my fly through there for shits and giggles. And all of a sudden, my rod stops and jerks forward. And I set the hook. And uh, I'm into about a 20 to 22 inch rainbow with no net and no waders on a four weight on the bacon fly. And I get this thing to my hand. I, I can't grab it. My, my hands don't fit around it. I think the rod's like in my armpit. And I'm trying to grab this with two hands. I'm trying to drag it up on shore. This fish is freaking huge. And you know, yesterday I caught a big fish uh, twice the size of this thing. Um, knew I probably never would have landed that. I can't land this thing. And there's all sorts of willows to my left. I can't move down. I can't really move to the right. I'm stuck in a spot. He, uh, I get him right up and he throws the fly. I'm like, crap. So I take a step back. I'm like, all right. Got to do the scientific method. My hypothesis, big fish. If I catch one again, what is my plan? How am I going to work things out? Uh, I got I got no idea. So I rest the hole for a couple minutes and I throw bacon in there with a damsel dropper again. Uh, the first fish I think there you know, I'm looking at my picture now. I had on a jumbo wormy because I can't see the bacon fly in there and the rainbow was blended in, uh, but I could see the worm. So I pop off the worm and I put on a damsel. I don't know why. This might not be in order. I'm trying to remember these things from dehydration and altitude from a couple days ago. I couldn't do any recording back at the condo because there's nowhere to do it. I hook into another one. This one's probably, I mean, I'm going to say definitely 22 inches long uh, without a doubt. This thing is enormous. And uh, I've hooked two of these fish in five minutes and no one else up and down the stream is midging has caught jack squat. I got my little pat on the shoulder. So I get this fish in, and um, you, know, you can't grab their mouth like a bass. This thing has got fangs on it. I mean, massive, massive teeth. And I try to grab him. He's so slippery. My hands are wet. I can't do anything. Um, the dropper now is wrapped around it, and it's stuck just above its adipose fin, and the fish breaks me off. I think I just put my rod against the side and just sit down in humiliation. If you're on the Blue River, you catch a 22-inch rainbow in the same spot as that 18 to, to 20 to 22. And if you find a fish with a chartreuse damsel nymph in the back, you know what fish I'm talking about. The thing was, I mean, it probably as thick as my calf. I'm not a big guy, but, uh, you know, the thing was, was big. I mean, it was like a Nerf football. There was no way I was going to land that thing without a net. So then I moved downstream, 
and I see the same type of water and uh, I throw the fly in there, I strip and I hook into another monster rainbow. This thing's about 20 to 22 inches. So now this is three fish in the 20 inch range in probably six casts. I am having an epic day. You know, I go on trips. I never really expect to catch anything. I just glad to be out and I'm getting everything I wanted right now. So I photographed this thing in a puddle and it's next to my rod. It goes from the reel up to the first stripping guard. Its head is bigger than my CFO reel and um, it's got the bacon fly in its mouth and it's just beautifully speckled. Beautiful, perfect rainbow. And then this woman just happens to walk by and I get her to take my picture and I've got a Huge smile. I can't put either of my hand around the fish, so I'm gripping it. Uh, I let it go. I sit down, and a guy I had bumped into the day before below Maggie Pond, I gave him a chartreuse worm to use. He and his dad come along, and, and they caught a couple little ones. They're like, how'd you do? And I'm like, how did I do? I bust out my phone, and they're, they're pretty surprised that fish that big are in there because they haven't seen anything. I explained to them how I'm fishing that trough and to look for the type of water I'm fishing and the method I'm using. I give them some bacon flies. I give them my card. Brandon, is that your name? If it is, give me a shout. If you're listening to this, I'll get you some more bacon flies. And uh, they go upstream. I go downstream. And I'm kind of done. I'm like, dude, I, I caught three fish in the 20-inch range. When was the last time that happened? So I'm just having fun now. And I decide um, it's Monday. It's around 1.30. I need to go to Fatty's. Do you remember my podcast on places to eat when you go fly fishing? Well, Fatty's was top of the list for Monday's chicken fried steak lunch. So I break down my rod, and I start walking upstream. I cross over a bridge, and I talk to some guy, and he's like, man, it, it sucks today. And as I'm walking back up, I'm passing the same people that were in the same spots hours ago. I probably did two miles of, of walking downstream. I pass the same people going up in those same spots, nymphing their same rigs. Just absolutely deplorable. I don't get it. So I um, walk back up, past the spot where I caught my first fish. That's where I bump into the guy and I talk to him. He's like, it sucks today. We're not catching jack. I'm like, what are you using? And he shows me these like size 20 midges. I'm like, dude, uh-uh. They are eating meat today. And he's like, really? I'm like, show my picture on my phone. He's like, all right, they're eating meat today. You you got that right. So I say goodbye to him, show my pictures, give him some spots to fish, and I start moving up. Now I'm on the other side of the river. I want to go back and, and pull a bacon fly from above a bridge where I lost one in the morning because now I'm down to five, four bacon flies, maybe two articulated, two non-articulated. Uh, and remember, it doesn't matter what streamer you fish as long as it's the bacon fly. I only fish one streamer for trout, and there's a reason, because it works. I don't need to fish any of your flies because mine has had 16 years worth of R&D on the east, west coast, and Rocky Mountains that I don't know what else I can do to it, but it, it works. The tutorials are all on YouTube. All right. So I'm walking up, and I see a nice spot. I'm like, all right, there's got to be a fish in there. I throw my streamer in. Freaking 18-inch rainbow again. I'm over a cliff. 
I try to get this fish in. I try to get it. You know, I probably should have used my hat at this point to land a fish. Another eight. I mean, this thing is as long as, you know, it goes past my fingertips, past my elbow, if you were going to measure it. I get it into hand. I'm going to land it. He throws the hook. I'm like, you know what? I don't care at this point. I've landed some big fish. I start walking upstream. You know what I find? I find a creek that dumps into the Blue River. I'm not telling you where this is. This is going to be my new spot. There is a salmon-sized trout in there. There's about 8 to 10 trout in the 18-inch range, a couple 7 to 10s. And there's one in there that's probably eating everything else. The water's fast. It's probably 6 feet deep. Do the wormy now behind my bacon. I throw it upstream, mend, mend. Let it sink down and start stripping it in. Boom. I catch another rainbow. Um, this one, probably 16 inches long. And I was able to land it. Uh, I got a picture of it. And I can see this one goes, uh, wow. So I'm holding it in my hand. Um, everything from the dorsal fin down is, so I'm holding it in my left hand. From my thumb down to the tail, probably seven, eight, and then the other one, the, the nose is up to my forearm. So like a big fish. And now I'm like, all right, I gotta hoof it up to fatties because I need my chicken fried steak. So I, I break down my rod, I think I cut the fly off, I rubber band it all together. Somebody noticed that I had a purple rubber band on in one of the pictures. That was because um, I was using a purple rubber band to hold my rod together walking around town. And instead of going under, going the, there's a roundabout by the grocery store. Instead of going under, I decided to go over. And I'm, I'm crossing traffic, and a car stops in front of me. It's like a, a black, uh, what did Holt used to drive? Subaru Outback. Some kind of Subaru. Guy rolls down his window. He looks like the gambler dude from, what was that show? Where they go into, like, uh, storage spaces, storage wars. Look just like that guy. And he says, hey, you fly fish. I'm like, yeah, man. He goes, I'll sell you a rod. And I'm like, dude, I got enough rods. He goes, I got a green bamboo rod, 20 bucks. I'm like, what the hell is a green bamboo to myself? And I'm like, all right, what do I got to lose? He rolls down his back window. Green rod. He goes, take a look at it. I pull it out. Orvis T3 two-piece five-weight pretty good condition dirty cork Ross reel on it and I'm like I don't want to ask if it's stolen he's just like dude I need I'll just sell it to you I, I gotta get down in, into Frisco in a hurry you want it or not and I was like deal and I'm thinking alright I already was tried to sell uh, someone tried to sell me a, a $10 bike and a $3 backpack this thing's probably hot too but I figure at least if I can sell it I can advertise it like I am now um, don't be that guy that claims it's yours and it really isn't um, I said, what about the reel in line? He goes, I don't know. Just take it. So for $20, get this. Not only this trip if I caught 30-inch fish on midges, uh, I am just bought $400 rod, $250 reel, and a real gold line for $20. Sit back and digest that. I figure for $20, I can fit another client in in a normal day now, say for shad or boat or walk and wade fishing. So, boom. I can't write that off because I don't get a receipt. But I'm all, I'm all giggly, and I walk up to Fatty's. And I got my two rods. I sit them on the bar next to me at the, the 
I sit down. She's like, what can I get you? I said, I'll take a chicken fried steak, no squash, please. And she looks at me like, huh? And I'm like, it's Monday. Chicken fried steak special. She's like, yeah, we don't have that today. I'm like, what do you mean? I've been waiting five years to eat this damn chicken fried steak. I've been waiting this entire trip since it was planned to eat this chicken fried steak. I got up this morning. I wanted to eat some damn chicken fried steak and squash. It is one of my favorite, without squash, one of my favorite meals anywhere. Oh, knocked over the pot, the dat. She's like, yeah, we don't have that. So I'm like, all right, I can get the French dip. That's my, my go-to, not on Mondays. And I noticed they don't have Odell's on tap. I'm like, all right, can I get an ice water? I'll look at the menu. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm like, you know what? Fatties ain't going to do it for me today. So I walk out, and uh, as I'm walking out, this guy goes, you can't catch anything in, in fatties. And I said, well, man, I tried to catch myself some chicken fried steak. It didn't work. So I'm, I'm going to go to Burke and Riley's. You know that is my tempura battered chicken tender deep fried joint next to the condo. So I walk on Ridge Street. And I haven't been on Ridge in a while, so I'm looking at the new restaurants, looking at the old ones, people watching, enjoying the weather. Beautiful day. And I've really got my schwitz on now because I've now walked six miles so far, and the last three have been all uphill. And I'm going to Burke and Riley's, and I'm like, hey, you still got the tempura chicken fingers? She's like, yep. I'm like, I'll take those and a pint of Guinness, please. Waffle fries? Yes, ma'am. With the ranch dressing. I sit down, I start going through Craigslist, start Googling. You know, these rods, the last T3 I bought was 2002 or 2003. Not a new rod. The guy did mention he found it in Buena Vista. He's been holding on to it for years. I think he was just going to go sell it in town. There's a bunch of used sporting goods stores. He got to me first. I cannot find anywhere online of a recently stolen rod and reel for Colorado. So I'm like, sweet, I got my own rod and reel. I eat half of my chicken fingers and waffle fries. I'm full. The guy next to me seems to have recognized me from somewhere in fly fishing. So we start talking, and he orders his food. He and his wife eat. I eat. I take off back to the condo. Um, I stop somewhere to buy something. Maybe that was, now that was the next day. All right, so yeah, I, I go back to the condo, and... Um, my daughter eats the chicken finger, leftovers, and fries. I charge my phone, do some social media. I'm posting my big fish pictures. I am on cloud nine at 10,000 feet above sea level while I'm out of breath. Everyone's like, all right, let's go for a walk. And I'm like, let's, let's take the pixie fishing. She needs to go do some dry fly fishing. So I drop off my new rod, and we walk down to go do some dry fly fishing. And sure enough, there's a jabroni, which was the trip word while we were on the uh, the reservoir. Jabroni standing in the hole. I am pissed off. It's my father-in-law, the wife, and me, and we are trying to introduce a five-year-old to dry fly fishing. He's fishing one side of the river, kind of down. I'm like, you know what? Let's cross over. We'll fish above this guy on this side of the river. And it didn't take too long for me to get um, a fat rainbow on the bacon fly. And we net it. We take pictures. My father-in-law uh, was very excited. Of course, he wanted to eat the damn thing. I said, Yuri, you're not allowed to eat these fish. And uh, away we went. So, where do I go from there? Uh, we streamer fished. We dry fly fished. Nothing. I think we just ended up going back home. 
uh, after Maggie Pond and getting a good night's sleep. Now, at this point, we're no longer at the condo. We moved to get some space. My parents are Hilton Honors people, so they got us a room at a lodge that was extremely posh. Uh, Three-bedroom, uh, there's hot tubs, there's a lounge, the fireplace goes on with the light switch. So we sit there and we watch some tennis, and then um, we're going to go meet everyone for dinner. But first, my wife wants to go get a margarita down at her favorite joint in town, uh, Casa... What, are, what does she eat at? I'd ask her, Casa Bonita... Casa Bubba Hubba. Mikasa. That's her joint. So we have some, some chips there and she orders wings because this is where she goes opera ski. So she loves the wings, she loves the margs. We go up to the house, we eat dinner, and we get dropped off for the condo. Lodge, I should say. Hot tub it, it's cold. Soak those bones. Uh, I get up in the morning, I sleep in a bit. It turns out when I went to rinse my mouth out of the sink, there were no cups, I bent my head down, I popped my neck. So for the rest of the trip, I'm unable to turn my head really left or right uh, at all. It sucked. It was quite painful. I think that's from sleeping on the sofa too long. So I sleep in a bit. My plan today is to not fish plunge pools. I'm going to go look for the same water I found those fish in yesterday. Uh, breakfast, I don't even think I ate anything. So I start walking down, and I'm not fishing plunge pools today, I'm fishing the stretches. Remember yesterday on Monday, how every hole had some dude in it, nymphine, just standing there all day? There was no one else on the river. I fished as far down and as far up the day on Tuesday as I had on Monday. It was awesome. Um, I get back down and I'm not fishing any, I'm not catching anything in, in those holes where the slots are and it's carved out. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to fish some plunge pools. I throw my streamer in one plunge pool and I miss a whopper freaking whopper. So I go downstream and come back to that one. I fish another plunge pool a couple minutes later. This is above where I caught those three fishing on Monday and I hook into you know, an 18 inch rainbow and he takes me from the plunge pool through the riffles and runs into the stretch before the next and I end up having to go in the water and pull this fish around and I finally get him he is a monster fatty fat fat big fatty guy rainbow on the bacon fly and I'm telling you that's the only fly you need to fish for trout if a streamer. Imagine your woolly bugger looks like, um, what's the brother from, um, Napoleon Dynamite. Let's see. Your woolly bugger, your streamer looks like Kip. Mine looks like the mountain from Game of Thrones. I go back up now. I'm like, all right, I caught a big one here. I'm going to go up. I throw the bacon streamer in, and I hook that bigger fish. And um, I land him too. 
He's another 18 to 22 incher. I can't. I, I land him and I lose him before I can get a picture. And he again took me downstream. Um, the one before that, I did get on film because it was a long fight, and I, I filmed him in the water as I resuscitated him. And then I went back and got the bigger fish, which I didn't get a picture of. And then I go back upstream to. I'm like, I, I'm done. I'm done fishing. I've had my fun. I go back upstream to the where that confluence was, and I pull out. I don't know, maybe. When did I pull out of there? Do do do. It's awful that my memory is fading with my age. Um, and I pull it out like a small small fish from that hole, and then just walk back up to the condo. And met up with everybody, and they wanted to go outside for another walk, like yesterday. So the wife and I take the daughter down to Maggie Pond, and their fish rising again. Go, Jones. Get outside. So we go down to Quandry, and we're with my father-in-law again. and We catch a couple fish down at the hole. And then we go below uh, Quandry, and I'm fishing, I don't know, whatever dry fly rig, some bushy wolf pattern with a little emerger or parachute. And I'm, I'm picking off like seven-inch rainbows and browns left and right. And my father-in-law decides he wants to get a picture with one. So we uh, take pictures with Yuri so he can show people, I guess, that he caught trout on a fly rod even though he didn't. And Yuri takes off back to the condo. The wife, the pixie and I go to Quandry Grill. And that's where I used to eat nightly back when uh, I lived in town. Bacon cheeseburger, one pint, one club soda, fries. That was good to go. So the wife and I have a beer with the, our kid on the back patio. And it's absolutely stunning. Um, double rainbow forms over town. So we do a big photo shoot with that. And... From there, um, my brother-in-law is going to buy us dinner at the flip side, which is, I guess, a chain of burger joints. And we sit downstairs, we get cocktails, and you get your burger, and instead of getting fries with it, you get like a side of a big plate. So I get myself a huge plate of truffle fries with bacon cheeseburger in the works, and it's the perfect way to cap off and epic two days of catching big fish um great vacation not looking forward to getting up at four in the morning and and going back uh, especially that i can't really turn my head so i'm not looking forward to like plane rides and looking around airports and car rides and everything else but after dinner we uh we go back up to the the lodge and i repack everything and i jump in the hot tub to soak my neck and people were blowing up fireworks on the mountain across from us. And it honestly looked like the firefight from the rooftop scene in Die Hard. It looked like people were shooting each other from one side of the mountain to the other. But it was just fireworks. Full belly, digesting in the hot tub, getting my neck worked on. Um, and I, I was a little, little snorry that night. So I, was, I had to sleep on the sofa. But I wasn't complaining. I stayed up, watched a little bit of Netflix. One night, I uh, I stayed up and watched American Werewolf in London, which I don't think I've seen since I was a kid. It was on Netflix or Amazon, and 
our buddy's Netflix account expired, so we no longer have Netflix. I had to enjoy the opportunity while I could. Yeah, so we uh, we get up in the morning and um, we've got the car, so we drive to pick up, wake up the pixie at the in-laws, and we get her in the car and say goodbye to the mother-in-law who's up, getting her up now. And we make the drive to Denver, and there's constellations everywhere. It's the first time she's really seen stars like that. And we get home. I wanted to sleep the whole flight because I was tired. I swear, every time I fell asleep, that kid would kick me or elbow me or something. We were on Southwest. I could easily have just moved seats somewhere else, but I didn't want to move. My neck hurt. Uneventful flight home. It was two flights is what it took us to do. And we're back here. Um, that's the podcast. You know, hope you all enjoyed this crazy road trip to Colorado. I thought it would be simple, not a whole lot of fish, but it turned out to be pretty crazy. Uh, bucket listings were, were marked off, and what can I say? Um, it was a great time. We're definitely looking forward to uh, to moving out there eventually. You know, Colorado isn't just a – it's like a state of mind. You walk around, you can't tell a Monday from a Saturday from a Wednesday out there. Everyone is so nice and chill. Um yeah, it's just great. The beer's great. The food's great. Um, everyone's got big dogs. It's just fun, 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 fun. Um, yeah. So if you have a significant other, and you may have mentioned it on Instagram, and you're trying to get her to move out there, you need to do it. I know the population's booming out there, but... Um, Get out there while you can. They're supposed to have an epic winter of snow in Breckenridge. <sighs> yeah, that's about it. My wife put brewery stickers all over her car. School started. The pool closed. Summer's officially over. Summer's over. That was the last hurrah of the road trips. All right. Uh, next up, you know, we got the Salmon River trip coming up soon. We got some friends we're going to interview, and I'm still trying to figure out how to do the Skype podcasting. I got time now. So if you need to book a trip with me, I am free weekdays now from 9 o'clock till 2.30. Give me a call. And um, Jason did a bang-up job putting this all together because there's lots of just random different files. So, uh, yeah. That's about it. I'm going to go uh, go to sleep. All right. want to give shout-outs to, to Justin and to Tom for all the help out there and for my in-laws for letting us crash at their place. And uh, keep fishing, people. That's all I got to say. No regrets when fly fishing and fish the bacon fly. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com.